rather wish for help. It's like, it's like, I wish, I wish that every time we dive in, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish that every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish that every time we love in, it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels I wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better rhyming speed. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew from a lime bean. I wish that I could spread my wings. I wish that I had seven limbs. That way I'd hold on to everything and laugh when I hear people wishing for the better things. I wish I spoke fluent Spanish. Dímelo, dímelo. At least I kind of understand it. <laughs> wish that I could throw the deuce like Gambit and get so large I could play pool with the planets. Yeah. I wish I was an astronaut. I wish I knew more classic rock. Another episode of <laughs> the Debrief. I am your host, Brianna Joy Gray. Checking this mic because I'm not getting a lot of turn in my earphones. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, there it is. It's completely fine. Welcome back. It's been, it feels like a week in which both a lot and absolutely nothing of consequence has happened, which makes it feel appropriate that we are doing an episode on this topic. Friend of the show, Alimi Olerin, is back after her star turn on the John Oliver show. I, I know that, I know confidently there will be one day where she's too big to cuck. Bad Faith Podcast, so we got to get her while we still can. Uh, let's just get right into it. I'm sure everyone's been following. Obviously, we covered the big headline events in the news and played substantial clips from uh, the Tucker Carlson interview and the Candace Owens interview uh, show, which in some ways I think was the most interesting bit. But let's hear from you. No need to dilly-dally. Serene, what's on your mind? Recently as April, where the groom was a huge fan, and so I played a lot of his best stuff, and mm. so I have this, like, ambient stress of where that's going to go, whatever, mm. but I thought this episode was really good, especially the stuff towards the end where y'all, like, zoomed out a bit and talked, brought in the stuff about Katie Helper and Israel and Candace Owens, and it's just, like, so frustrating that still this... The country, the Israel apartheid state equals Jewish people writ large in so many people's minds. And so when you have all these like mixture of things happening, it immediately, but, <laughs> and, and old, but Ole was right. Like these are such old tropes, like really the Jews, the Jews, like, it's so <laughs> didn't even, it, it's like worse than that. Didn't he just say, I, for, at some point he had some weird formulation that it was just like, Jew, like just isolated yeah, without he, even the article. Some of the the caption for the Diddy Instagram post was Jesus is Jew. Like, yeah, right. he did this weird like diminutive of the word itself, which is mm -hmm. so weird. And then just death con versus def con. Mm -hmm. like, and then, yeah, Ole was totally right because there, I mean, she was speaking about the black community, but I, you know, me too. Like, I've seen so many people across the spectrum over the years, like parse his words be like, this is what he actually knows. He's really into the like giving context, and sometimes you know, bitly curious what people have to say and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I'm just wondering, like, the part where y'all were talking about Sarah Silverman, like, you know, how do you approach this whole thing that always seems to happen, where someone says, "Why is no one talking about this?" Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, in Sarah Silverman's case, she means like, "Why is no one famous or in my class or that's black?" talking about this specific thing and like you know 
without getting into the, all the things we all know about algorithms and Twitter and what's on what's feed, it's just like, yeah, how do you so, approach that stuff? So Sarah um, Silverman, you know, to just steel man in a bit, after her initial tweet, which I'm trying to pull up now, but basically it says something along the lines of, you know, why is it only, you know, Jewish people who are speaking out against this? And the implication a lot of people took from it was that she was specifically asking why black people weren't showing more allyship, to which a lot of people reacted very negatively. Oh, here it is. Um, she said, Kanye threatened the Jews yesterday on Twitter, and it's not even trending. Why do mostly only Jews speak up against Jewish hate? The silence is so loud. Um, and then after she got a lot of pushback over the fact that she has a history of um, saying the N-word provocatively for your alleged comedic effect, there was this famous episode of Bill Maher's old show, Politically Incorrect, in which she and Bill Maher and I think another guest gang up on a black actress whose name I'm forgetting right now about why they should be allowed to say the N-word uh, and how basically kind of explaining to her how she should feel about it. It wasn't a great look. She's had a blackface moment. I mean, she's had a lot of moments. And yeah. interestingly, has never really been, which kind of undermines the argument right. <laughs> that, you know, everybody hops to for anti-black racism, but doesn't hop to for anti-Semitism. But I'm not interested in doing that comparative analysis because everyone should obviously be invested in our mutual, um, all of our uh, respective equality. But she followed up after she got the pushback, saying, the thing that kills me is that I was talking about white people, but here we are. Mm. Now, that tweet got ratioed. I think a lot of people, you know, don't find that very convincing. Yeah. Um, but what, what do I make of, of, how, of the backlash? Well, I just mean, I guess maybe broadly, like, just I just see this all the time. Why is no one talking about this? And then Ole mm -hmm. says, actually, black people been talk checking Kanye about this, which is mm -hmm. true, but obviously, like, we're not all looking at each other's... We don't all have the same feeds and and all this stuff. And, and, I'm, and also, I, it did, like, give me pause to be like, so is the contention here that non-black people should be calling out Kanye for being anti-black? I, yeah, well, I think for being anti-Semitic is what. Um, well, yeah, no, I mean the like her the, particular the, concern was the whatever mm -hmm. pushback of like, well, people, you know, why is why are you all speaking up now about anti-Semitism when he, you know, the previous thing he did was anti-black, you know, just like, mm. I, it it's all stressful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so honestly, I felt like there was too much. There's a, there's a there's a lot that one could say here, because while I substantively agree with Ole's point about how there are all kinds of conversations happening internally to the black community that Sarah Silverman might not be aware of, and it's not fair to say that he hasn't been critiqued for mm -hmm. any number of things, including anti-Semitism. I also think it's true, and I think Ole would also say that it's true, because we talked about this also a little bit on the episode, that there's a certain amount of... Uh, I won't say excuse making, but at the end of the day, you know, Kanye is still popular. Yeah. His, you know, albums to the extent that he's still, you know, putting them out, they might not be as popular as they once were, but they're, he's still a, a top artist. He sells out shows. He's still being played at weddings. 
Mm-hmm. I, you know, in the private conversations I've had, I, you know, I, I'm not like a daily Kanye listener, but when when this came up, me and my all of my uh, millennial friends ended up just going off into a sidetrack conversation about how much we loved <laughs> college yeah, dropout. I, mean, <laughs> I watched the documentary and I was like, man, what if everyone grew up with a Donda mm-hmm. on their side? And you know, I haven't and- I haven't seen it. Is it is it's good? It's on Netflix. Have, have you seen um so there were these parts of the i think it was a tucker carlson interview where he is kind of oddly it's not that he's critical of his mom but he brings his dad into the equation in a way that i've and really puts him on a pedestal in a way that i've never really heard him do yeah. and again I, i'm not the biggest kanye aficionado so you tell me if you've heard him do this before but it was like almost a downgrading of Danya in his Donda in his hagiography in his mind, and started talking about how he was, you know, he wasn't allowed to spend as much time with his dad. I mean, he, he's very careful with his word choice. He doesn't say my mom didn't let me have time with my dad. He doesn't put any blame on her. But that's right. the obvious implication. You know, I, I should have been a, you know, I my dad wanted to be closer to me, and it wasn't possible. It wasn't allowed. He uses kind of vague language like that. And he makes draws an analogy between that and his efforts to be close to his kids and how he bought a house next to Kim's and how the media, um, he says the media was wrong to portray that as me stalking my wife, ex-wife or my kids. I just wanted to be close. And, and it was, it seemed like a, an interesting shift from this kind of very uh, matriarchal framework that he's had before to this other thing, which fits in, I think, with some of the conservative um, you know, man, head of household, yeah. abortion is wrong because I didn't get a say in the matter. Um, you know, women killing take, my babies. Women it, take 50% of everything. That whole yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that new? Am I right to think that that's yeah, new? You, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't watch the, I watched like little things of the Tucker thing. I didn't, I didn't see that part, but mm-hmm. it, it heretofore, he's thing I can think of that he, brought his dad into like sort of recently was he made like a music video for his Jesus album where his dad and him are like riding on some I don't know four-wheeler in the Wyoming plains or something it was very it's Mm -hmm. very like he's just been on the side and like but it that's interesting you say that because it does kind of like yay for you know whatever whatever the timeline is reconnecting with your dad going healing a lot of whatever stuff but mm-hmm. it is very convenient that yeah now it's like oh uh you know my dad you know like yeah it's, it's yeah it feels like a more it's a convenient is a nice word to use because it does feel like this is just the con- the more convenient parent for the narrative that he's more invested in right now and i don't mean to stop, say that in a way that feels like dismissive or like glib about the real emotional issues that people have with their parents that he specifically has and then you know i feel like people will instinctively be like well look at the family he was just a part of you know it's all very strong you know women and like without getting into a whole side discussion about the kardashians like you can it it's probably easy to pinpoint where he's at in his life with just broad strokes relations to like matriarchy and patriarchy and what he feels like he missed out on and what he feels like he's currently being denied and yeah I mean I don't like I don't want to do like armchair psychology here I mean I obviously do want to do armchair psychology but I guess I'm just recognizing (laughs) that it's it's not I mean look it, it feels like 
he's been, he's like, he's unmoored and he's scrambling for some kind of narrative to make his own like position in life make sense. And it's like so many people who are drawn into this very particular kind of traditional values-y conservatism all of these, like the people, I, who, did, we, did we see this on a recent episode? I forget who brought this up, but it's often it's like people who are not in that situation. It's people who are often unmarried, who are young, who are not part of a family unit, like mm-hmm. who don't have community that value these very, very traditional ways of living, precisely because they feel unmoored and don't have those kinds of things. So they romanticize it and they want themselves a trad wife. Kanye is out here all the time now talking about how. You know, I don't like my bu- wife's body out there. We fight about her having the skims line and being on, yeah. on. you know, she's got four children. Why is she out here with her underwear? It's like, my dude, you're the guy who, who dressed her. He was, <laughs> like, no, not only that, he was obsessed with not only her as a person, but literally the porn tape that made her famous. Mm-hmm. Like she, He was out here... I don't know the timeline, but like short, I guess after they were together, being like, yeah, I used to watch that. I used to watch her <laughs> have sex with Ray J, and like I was like really into her, and you know, I met her. I think they like almost worked together on some music video mm-hmm. back in the day. Like he, he's courted he, he was a, he, he was obsessed with her, and he liked yeah. that part of her. And yeah. you know, there's there's that song "Click" where he's like my girl, famous off of home movie. Like he loved mm-hmm. that when it was his world like you know mm-hmm. yeah and he and yeah he was she was her his little doll too which a lot of people have have commented on like there's this one episode of the kardashians where he's like she's like crying and because he's throwing out all her clothes and mm-hmm. at the time uh-huh. i think people perceived it as like oh wow they say that like he has taste in that area and his you know forcefulness or whatever you want to like really it was a it was a symbiotic Mm-hmm. thing that worked for them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah yeah well look i i pre I, i'm glad you called in it's nice to talk to someone who has um you know who's, who's a fan or a former fan and yeah who has been following the careers of these people and is interested it's, it's hard sometimes with these episodes because i i respect I, I i'm not gonna pretend like this is the pressing issue of our time and i i respect on some level and every individual's willingness you know ability to say like oh, i just don't care about this i don't want to it's not that deep right but podcasts are about I mean, being that deep <laughs> so. yeah like can't we just have this one episode and this little mini cycle or who knows how long it'll last honestly because this one does seem yeah. bigger like, did you see pulled a episode he was going to be on LeBron's show? No. So Wait, LeBron that's... LeBron has that barbershop show, right? Uh, the Shop. Uh-huh. And um, his co-host slash co-producer came out with a statement being like, we invited him on, his, on our show in the hopes that he would, like, be willing to be open and respectful and, like, explain his comments. Like, give him an open forum. We were, you know... In a sort of like, we love the dude. Let's bring him in. I mean, and then they he they were like, what? When he came on, he, you know, I forgot. Is it one of those vague statements that was like he? Let me see if I can Google it right quick. Yeah, Kanye LeBron show. They were basically uh, like, oh, here it is. Twenty hours ago. Oh, I'm off my game. 
Kanye's West, uh, oh, Kanye West's upcoming appearance on HBO's The Shop, Uninterrupted, will no longer air, according to the CEO of the company. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Kanye was booked weeks ago, and after talking to Kanye directly the day before we taped, I believed he was capable of a respectful discussion, and he was ready to address all his recent comments, Spring Hill CEO Maverick Carter said in a statement to ESPN's Anscape. Unfortunately, he used the shop to reiterate more hate speech and extremely dangerous stereotypes. Yeah. Oh, well. Well. And I mean, that this is his. My thesis on this is just, it's all unfortunate, but that is what he's been rewarded for his entire career, which is book him to be a live wire on mm. your on your program and just accept, you know, like deal with whatever he's gonna say, like. We and we love it when it was George Bush doesn't care about black people and even like Beyonce had the best video of all time mm. and but then you know now well it's do you think like, it's, it makes a difference if it starts to veer into you know Jews will not replace us territory oh yeah that's what I'm saying is like it's turned it's it in many ways it's like the culminate it's it's entirely predictable and still just very sad because like I said at the beginning like. Really, you're going into the Jews thing, like the you're that's where you've ended up as this quote unquote free thinker futurist person. Yeah, I, I it it is disappointing. I'm trying to play this out in my head because I think that if he were allowed to kind of uncritically basically repeat everything that he said on Tucker Carlson, the way that Tucker Carlson gave him that free reign, and, and the way that in which that like obviously Twitter is like a kind of a one-way pulpit mm -hmm. uh that's not constructive obviously yeah and you you were right to i mean i i didn't watch it but i didn't you pointed out that tucker even was like hedging like hedging in a tucker you know even more in, uh, of an indictment i always wonder what those discussions are like is it tucker and a producer being like Oof. guys this is not a good look <laughs> like, and how much was it kanye's team being self-aware or kanye being self-aware because there was yeah. at least one moment in a deleted clip where kanye is like mm, that doesn't sound good maybe don't put that in right yeah he was like let me be kind yeah he said something i i remember that um but like let's let's just play this out a little bit can you imagine a world where a knowledgeable, you know, co competent, persuasive person, and maybe this is just a fantasy world, but let's just, we're in fantasy land right now, mm -hmm. conducted the interview and was like, man, why are you talking like that? Like, are you aware that these are longtime historical anti-Semitic tropes that you're using? You know, when did you start thinking this way or talking this way? I've known you for years, and I've never known you to say something quite like this before. What do you say to Jewish people who are so offended, people who loved you and support you and, and loved your music, that, that this is crazy talk? Isn't there a better way to express? If you think, because he's got this weird statement, right? Like, I'm not anti-Semitic because black people are the real Jews, which, of course, is this whole other kind of strain of... Exactly. It's like, you know... I, you, you, he obviously, on some level, sees that as a, like a, a, I don't know, maybe it's completely pretext, but to listen that he thinks that that's a real thing, and that like that bars him from anti-Semitism, you know, does he not think that you can you can't be anti-black and say racist things about black people if you are yourself black? Maybe he would answer yes, since he definitely did was walking around saying that black people brought slavery on themselves not too long ago. Yeah. I don't know. It, it probably would just get worse and worse and worse. Obviously, nobody's been able to control him up to this point.
Right. And, and actually, that's a good point, because maybe that's why I feel particularly like extra sad this time, because, well, maybe it's not why, but the whole Diddy thing was illuminating, because mm. as far like he, I think as recently as last year, went on I, some award show and like, like get through to him on this level, which I think was probably why Diddy was texting him being like, let's just talk. Let's not do this on the Internet. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I think that's where the, I got to say, like, it seems like the mental crisis aspect of it comes in because his response immediately was like, fuck you, you're the feds. Yeah. You know, like, the, come, the, come the kill more, me. The Jewish people have sent you to control yeah, me. The Jewish... <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I, yeah. It's really hard to imagine anyone, including like, I mean, especially, I guess, his wife. Yeah, they've obviously tried, you know, they have yeah. four children together. The family certainly has the resources to do every kind of mental health intervention or any other kind of intervention that's yeah. necessary. And this has been going on for years. I, I mean, I can't even imagine what the family has been going through because, you know, they're, they're so close. They certainly are not the type to, I think, want to not have the kids around Kanye. I mean, their, their family, for some reason, is also super obsessed with all of the kids being with the same father regardless of marital status or any other yeah. non-traditional aspect of their lives. Like you hear them talking about it on the show all the time. Like once, once Kim had that first kid with Kanye, she was going to have all the rest of her kids with Kanye. Yeah. And she stayed with him long enough to have all of the kids with Kanye. So they obviously are invested in him on some level. Do you know what I mean? Right. And, and you know, the, I think, is it Chloe keeps the cheating guy around mm-hmm. and wants to keep, Yes, that's a good point. I mean, they, I, I guess I could just see that as like they grew up with everyone around all the time, so they want everyone around all the time. So, mm-hmm. and I don't know this. Yeah, this, I think that's a weird hang-up about the Jenner-Kardashian divide and how. I mean, it must have been hurtful for the girls. It's nobody's fault, but you know, their father passed away so tragically when right. they were so young, and then having this whole other clan come in. That my armchair psychology about the Kardashians <laughs> is that's what it's all about, like. That, Even though they're a your blended next, family. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's your next, uh, uh, like, light episode. Just going, <laughs> just going deep on that. One of the earliest episodes of the show, like, episode one or two is definitely Kardashian-related. Oh, well, it's, it's, it's worth going back into the, into the deep dives. But, look, I've had you up here for a long time. Yeah. I, appreciate, I appreciate you rapping with me, uh, Serene, uh, pun intended. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right, take, take care. Keep the faith. Allende, what's on your mind? I was, you pointed out that, like, a lot of people probably think or, like, look at what happened, like, in the Holocaust, whatever, as a religious persecution, in which that is how it was taught to me in high school, essentially, not high school, uh, like, growing up, I, whatever, whatever, whenever it was taught, like, originally introduced to us, mm-hmm. it was, like, anti-Semitism is, a, is like, the whole thing that happened during the Holocaust was a religious persecution, in which, like, it was never really expanded upon, and, and a lot of the nature of anti-Semitism in general, like, it wasn't until college that I even learned that, like, thinking that Jewish people are good with money is, like, is an anti-Semitic trope. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. even know that that was, that was a thing. You know what I mean? And I mm-hmm. feel like, for a lot of and like I was good at school, like I was really good at history class. Like I memorized everything. I read, I read all the books, whatever, whatever. So like, just thinking about like 
especially as a as a black person, it is you and a black person, you know, on Rainbow Squad too. Like it, it is, it was very, it was very unique experience being on the other end of the being educated. You know what I mean? Mm, mm. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think that those experiences, especially as a black person in America, where all the racial discourse is really centered around you, and people can get really big heads about how they can't make mistakes and become really judgmental about other people who, you know, quote unquote, transgress. Having that experience of enduring a learning curve, I think is very healthy, especially for black people in America. (laughs) I remember coming back to the States after, you know, growing up overseas. And like, I came back to New York and I went to college in the Northeast and I was pretty old before I even was really exposed to a lot of um, like anti-Hispanic prejudices. Like I had to learn, I would be watching TV shows and they'd, say stuff and I'd be like I don't even know what that is and that's I mean that's not anything to pat your your pat yourself on the back for it's just the way life is we didn't have very many Latinos in the international school circuit they're like you know one kid in my class in Columbia I think but you know that's that's it was it was not a ton in my East African school and so that just wasn't even in the ether and it really teaches you you know we learn racism it's very obvious we we learn these things and you can, I think you can subconsciously or like accidentally stumble into stuff or not realize the historical background and all of that. And that's why I think that we should have some degree of patience to uh, with each other, rather. However, Kanye, <laughs> Kanye doesn't strike me as someone who's brand new in all of this. Obviously, I've been trying to reach out to him and get him back in line for a while, as evidenced by the P. Diddy effort and he doesn't want to hear it and he's not even like candace sort of making an argument about why it is that it's not like so candace so candace in this part that i kind of pant i like i would talk through in the episode makes this argument that of course like there are stereotypes but sometimes people just are the stereotype that's that's the long and short of it so you know there's lots of cheap people in every religious and ethnic background and if someone happens to be cheap and jewish that doesn't mean you're doing an anti-semitic trip okay that might be the case but i'll tell you what i'm gonna be i'm gonna tread carefully (laughs) and make sure that i was doing it because she was latina i was like oh shit like oh i know how this came off (laughs) now like and and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that i like i went i was going through like a, a chica phase but you know i checked myself you know, I, I do like and, and some and the right wingers they think that, that that's like a problem and that we're all too sensitive. You know, when I when I ask people where they're from and they're Asian American, I'll 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 be more specific. I'll say, Well, are you from New York? Or wherever we're happy to be standing in that moment, so that they don't presume that I'm asking about their like ethnic identity. Like I literally just want to know where you grew like what state you're from. And and like nope. maybe that's like, oh, your your likes are so sensitive. But like we all do things like that to be sensitive to folks. You, you know the crazy part about that that one I, I know you, I, this is getting away from your broader point, but that mm-hmm. one thing you said about like where people are from, like you know, like nine times out of ten, like I don't wanna know what city you're from. I wanna know your ethnic background. Right? Like <laughs> and I don't I don't even like that is that is in college. Right, like I really don't care what city you're from. I want to know your ethnic background because simply Why? Like, that is that is because I want to know how you grew up. I want to know how, what your parents were like. Like what? Like because you know I am. My parents are immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. So I want to know. Like to me, what's more important is not where you grew up. It's what your parents were like at home and what music you listen to, whatever, whatever, what food you eat, right? And so, like at home, 
So that that's always been more much more relevant than what city because like if you're if you're let's say like I'm looking at a black person. I don't know if you're Jamaican or not. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. Nigerian or not. Right. Mm-hmm. So like can we talk about Afrobeats? Like, are you gonna well, you know Jamaicans is the Afrobeats? Like, can we talk about Afrobeats? Like, that's what I want to know. So it doesn't matter if you grew up in New York or if you grew up in Philadelphia. If you're African, your parents are African, you know a little something, something about like jollof <laughs> rice and Afrobeats. Well, so, you're gonna get away with it. No one's gonna be mad at you if you do it to a black person. And and also like you know those Breitbart people go around doing those man on the street interviews, and you know there are a lot of especially older generation folks who don't who don't care. You know Asian American folks who don't care either. But, you know, if 99% of people don't care, that's fine. It'll come out. Like, I feel like with that one, it comes out. Like, if I'm actually your friend and it's any of my business, it comes out. Like, we're, we're not going to be together. We're not going to hang out for more than 14 hours without your ethnic background coming out. If it's not already apparent from your last name or something else that comes up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anti-Semitism. And, like... And like, like I, I really love those episodes. That episode that when you were um, talking to Katie, right? Because specifically, like, from my own, from my own learning, right? And even in other contexts, not with you, but like with other people, like I feel like in a lot of situations, anti-Semitism is treated like a like a settled issue. And my my say settled, I mean like everybody knows about it already, right? And there's not much. It feels like there's not much controversy, right? And so, like, it never gets brought up, and you just like learn are like learning things, right? And so, I remember it was episode not with you on, but Katie had an historian on and a Jewish historian on, and he was talking about how like the Jews are basically forced into being bankers, right? Mm-hmm. And when you like, as someone who on the left who's like, oh, who's like looking at the way that like you know the U.S. prioritized like financialization, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that there isn't a wealth, like there isn't enough wealth transfer between cities and like the more suburban and rural like areas, and like how that affects poverty, um, like and you and you look at the overlays of sort of coincidences of history, you, and you look at the fact that um, which is a fact that, um, and I'm trying I'm trying to be very careful here that like you know there is a there is um a wealth difference right or i think it's like i forget it was well if it was wealth or income but jewish white americans have a higher like i think it was either income or wealth than like non-jew white americans right you can you can arrive at the place where a lot of the things you're attributing like wrongly attributing to like for some reason that like jewish people are some illuminati which they're not like that's anti-semitism to you're wrongly attributing your 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 beef with wealth inequality right yeah to anti-semitism you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean it's it is just the flip side like i'm sorry it's the flip it's the flip side of you know any all of the whole host of negative racial stereotypes about black people you know there's a difference between you know black people are disproportionately poor which you know black people take up a a, a larger percentage of the poor population in the United States than, you know, white people or Asian people or various other groups. Like, that's like a statement of fact. Saying, you know, they're black, so they must be poor <laughs> is a different kind of a statement, right? It's, yeah. it's taking a general, a broad economic trend and applying it to a person. And then, moreover, on top of that one level of reduction, there's this other part of it that's, and it's because of some innate characteristic. It's because they're stupid. It's because they're lazy. It's because they're a criminal or something like that. And that's, that's, it's interesting that when we talk about anti-Semitism, 
you know, we're in a place where we're all very comfortable at this point in America having conversations about racial disparities and black people having all of these poor economic outcomes without it being racist to say out loud. Like we were kind of past that. There was this like weird awkwardness in the 90s where everyone felt like they had to be PC and, and didn't really know how to talk about these issues. And so you got a lot of well-meaning white people like not wanting to just engage with basic realities on the ground. But it's interesting with anti-Semitism, it doesn't quite feel like we're at a place where there can even be an allusion to broad trends, which to your point are historically based and not because of any intrinsic qualities or greed or any avarice or any of that kind of nonsense, but because they were forced out of other kinds of industries. Um, And there's this interesting fact about white shoe law firms, um, like fancy, the, the like most prestigious historical law firms in New York, that a lot of them were like very anti-Semitic. And so, you know, Jewish people started their own law firms. And when the kind of mergers and acquisitions came onto, came onto the scene in the 80s, a lot of the white shoe law firms thought it was like gambling and risky. I mean, but like they, they looked down on it as like lower level work and not like the shiny elite stuff that they liked to do. And so a lot of the Jewish firms, again, ended up filling in that void and becoming very successful as a consequence of it. So again and again, you have these, like, the anti-Semitism breeds a certain kind of outcome in terms of how the work is dispersed and, and how these, like, fortunes got made on Wall Street. And it's like a self perpetual But the danger obviously comes when you start thinking that there are these intrinsic qualities that human beings have. <laughs> well, um, you know, all I do when it comes to Game of Thrones and stuff, the main person, the number one person that I talk about it the most with is Robbie Suave. <laughs> So do it like it can be like a short series like a short like little like y'all get together like every like month, well i don't know what was he whatever's your non-busy day and you just like talk wow. right on camera for 30 minutes well robbie it's so funny you, you said that because the other day he was asking me about colin he was like yeah i've seen how dabbling in colin never really done it, it seems kind of interesting what do you think and I, I, we, we kind of te- we were joking about the idea of us doing a, a game of thrones colin so Wish, you know, wish and you shall receive. <laughs> you know who's really good? Oh, um, Ole. Like, she does, She's like, amazing. Little, she does, like, little, um, like, little Game of Thrones reviews. And they're hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I've seen those. I've seen those. <laughs> that would be a fascinating trio. Let, I'll, I'll, see, I'll see if Ole is game. Because I think that could be very, very entertaining. Like, not Beetlejuice. (laughs) 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 The king. Yo, she was wrong for that. (laughs) She was wrong for that. All right. I've been extremely negligent with all of you guys. Thank you, Ayende. I've kept both two callers for 20 minutes each. I cannot keep doing this. I apologize to everyone in the queue. Let me try to pick up the pace. Uh, Red. Chicago Red. Unmute yourself and, and... and bless us with your presence. <gasps> Bree, what's the word? <laughs> oh, God damn it! <laughs> Woo! How you doing, my friend? It ain't been easy. It, it ain't been easy. <laughs> I'm gonna start out. Po- uh-huh, go I'm ahead. Start out positive first because I'm gonna start talking some shit, and some people ain't gonna like me for it. Okay. <laughs> I want to. I'm just happy that you and Olami got together, and I just feel like this has kind of been Olami's week with the whole all the things. She's back on rising. They need to keep her on for Mondays. I agree. But shouts out to Miss O'Lauren. I'm glad she's getting, glad she's back out here getting it. 
Now I gotta start talking some shit. Listen, <laughs> okay. I don't know if anybody else in this queue is from Chicago, but listen to me. As the cannabis activist ambassador of Chicago, I'm speaking on behalf of my city here. We do not support, condone. At this point, it is getting even hard to even tolerate Kanye West at this point right now. Mm-hmm. Yay, no, fuck that. He ain't even Kanye West no more, right? His name Yay, right? Yay, Kardashian West. No, this, this nigga ain't it no more, okay? Mm-hmm. It is getting too hard keeping up with this Yay, Kardashian circus. That's because that's really what all of this shit is. And the sad thing is, is like, I stay out of the loop. I don't follow this. I do not follow him. Don't follow Kardashians. But the sad thing is, is how you pointed it out is that this stupid shit be actually working because, damn it, people, we was doing so good. Last week, it was those White Lives Matter shirts. Okay, it was a little uproar. Nobody gave a fuck. You know, he doing this and that. Nobody gives a fuck. And it's like, he played the easiest race. He played the easiest race game that's always been played in America. Mm-hmm. You know how this shit go because it was like, at first, we was all hating Middle Easterns and we was just hating the Middle East. We're like, we're Americans, fuck the Middle East. And then it's just like, anybody that won't ride with us on riding against the Middle East, then it was fuck them. Then we started talking about immigrants. Now mm-hmm. it's like, we got to pay attention because any minute now, Jews and black people are next. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, if this nigga ain't managed to do both in one week, and here <laughs> we all are talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is a headache. Uh, look. What, I mean, what, what do you think that we should do about it? Like, obviously, we just talked about how there's no, there seems to be no making Kanye help himself. He is in a paranoid state of mind where anybody who reaches out to him, no matter how good faith he perceives it to be, self-interested and, you know, the work of a secret Jewish conspiracy. Uh, so what is there? What is he even to do at this point? Burn your Kanye? Uh, I was going to say albums, but uh, yeah, I guess delete please, your files off your computer. Yeah. Nope. Nope, they've been doing they've been doing that nonstop. Because he's gonna do this, and then he's gonna go hiding into Wyoming for something. Which how the hell do a black man in Wyoming do not stick out like him? <laughs> it's beyond me. He's gonna go back hiding out in Wyoming. We gonna forget about this shit. He's gonna come back out and do something, and we're gonna be like, oh, it's love again, and then it's gonna be this whole shit all over again. I want to say ignore the fuck out of him and them damn Kardashians because I just feel like this is all just part of this stupid ass circus that they just somehow managed to suck people into. Hmm. I mean, well, don't I think there is something to the idea that if we truly did ignore Kanye, like if if he, and this is not me endorsing, you know, censorship of any kind. I'm not in control. But in a hypothetical world where he is off Twitter, which he is for violating the pretty clear terms uh, of, against um, uh, targeting a racial group, an ethnic group. Uh, and he, and we all just collectively as a society decided to respect the idea that he is going through a, some kind of crisis and not write about him, not cover him anymore from this point, given that he does seem to feed off of a certain degree of public energy, feed off of controversy, like a Langelier, do you think that that would actually help? And on some level he would heal, be more likely like to heal? I would like to think so, but it's, it's hard because he's because he's in that A because he's in that A class of celebrities. He's in that A class, S class, whatever the hell these elite be trying to label their tears and shit. He, he's up there. 
So we clearly see, even if y'all want to like deplatform them and all of that shit, I, I don't think that's gonna necessarily. I don't even know if that's even necessarily gonna work because it's not this whole shit. They're boycotting Chase now because I guess what Chase shut down his bank account or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crystal did a really excellent radar today. I DM'd him. I was like, "This is like, this is like the platonic ideal of a radar. It's got." When you when you're writing a radar for one of these like bipartisan shows, there's certain beats that you know you need to hit to make it really successful in terms of like an establishment call out, uh, you know, pointing out um, like that a kind of identity politics is happening on the left and the right to keep you distracted from the elites who are really trying to promote their economic interests at the time. Like it has all of the things that the audience that that audience in particular loves, and it was a story about. Um, uh, Candace Owens's efforts to start a, she's part of this project to start a bank. A grifter with that damn bank. Sure, people who were sued because they shot someone. <laughs> like that, like they couldn't, they couldn't get the, the legalese together on that one. And so, so she's been making a, a lot of the Kanye story and the argument is sort of that it might have something to do with her promoting her bank. Like, no. oh, Chase is bad because they're so woke that they won't um, let Kanye bank there. But I have a bank for you. Y'all, please, please, please. Can we, can we please stop this damn circus? <laughs> this shit is killing me. I feel like we're never going to. If anybody's seen season seven of American Horror Story, that season never ended. We're still living this shit. Hey, what's like, season, season seven? Season seven is like, well, Sarah Paul's this character. Because they, cause they start to see oh. Trump. And, she, and it's like she's going. I ain't even finished the season yet. I'm still like in the middle. Of, but it's like she's going mad crazy through like her fears, and it's like she's manifesting her fears to like. She was real late to American Horror Story, and then I think at some point during COVID, because I watched twenty hours of TV a day during COVID, I, I I caught up in a bunch of seasons. But I started to watch that season, and I think being immediately post campaign, it was too raw for me. Oh, I was very break, triggered. Break, break. <laughs> Bree, Bree, I'll be scared for you to. I'll be scared for you to even watch it. That I'm getting PTSD <laughs> for this shit right now. I, I shit you not. I shit you not. And mind you, this hat, this season hat that came out like what 2017, 2018, around that time. I think it was 2017. Mm. Bree, I shit you not. These motherfuckers. It's like two. It, it's white privilege in a nutshell, and it's like two white people arguing with each other. And I shit you not. One of these motherfuckers literally looked at one of each other and say. You're not a progressive. How could you shoot that Mexican? And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I forgot that was the whole thing. Wait, so wait, the, it was like Sarah Paulson was like the Hillary liberal, and then her wife was the, the short-haired one from the new Star Trek reboot. Was was she Bernie-ish? And then Sarah no, Paulson. No, no, the other way around. Sarah Paulson, the other way around? I mean, she, was, she was the one that voted for Jill Stein in her short Right. Right. She's an evil hypocrite because she voted for Jill Stein, and then they made her kill like the like he worked at the house. I forget what he was like, the, but the Mexican guy that was he worked at the restaurant. At the and restaurant. Like, and he was like, yes in the kitchen. Yes. Which I had my money yes. on him because he had that knife in his hand, and he was like, "Come on, fuck I was like, <laughs> yes. motherfucking Mexican alone." That's right. Oh, he comes over to the house late at night to like deliver some food or groceries or something and she and she she yanks him. him. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yo, and see that's why I had to stop after like an episode or two. She get into it with the neighbors across the street and it wasn't <laughs> with that damn sombrero. <laughs> and they're just like, you 
definitely too triggered to watch that. I forgot she they made her a Jill Stein voter. I really feel like they wrote that episode to attack me personally. So <laughs> we I'm going to have to maybe revisit that. Maybe we we should... all got an attack for this shit. <laughs> okay, but Bree, 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 in all seriousness, yeah. though, yeah. this man Kanye West has not been right since he lost his teddy bear. Let's all be real, okay? If anybody remember them first three albums he did, he had his teddy bear. <laughs> so, and then it's like, since he lost that teddy bear, he ain't been right. 808, love it. Great album. Dark Twisted Fantasy, loved it. Great album. Jesus, trash as hell. Pablo, hear this. But point in case that I'm being, after graduation, after that graduation album, when he lost his teddy bear, this man ain't been right. And them damn Kardashians made him worse. <laughs> do you think so? Do you think, wait, let, let, real talk though, Red. Yes. Did he the credentials become worse? He was tolerable. Look, he was tolerable after he was tolerable after graduation. That's when his mom after grad after the graduation album. That was the last album. Mm -hmm. It all went downhill when he started when he got. Okay, with but him. see, I think that you could. There's an argument to be made that obviously he starts to go off the rails when he loses his mom, which everybody can empathize with. But that the Kardashians are actually what masked some of the craziness that was happening for and, and kept him under kept it under control for longer than otherwise it would have been out oh, of control. No, 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 don't get it twisted. The Kardashians are not responsible for his behavior. We we know his ass we know his ass been crazy, but what these Kardashians do, which is like what the last caller was pointing out, is the same thing they always do. They find all of these crazy toxic men that they can get these toxic storylines out of for that bullshit show. And it's just like that's the reason these men gotta stay around because it's for ratings. But, the, but Kanye was barely. How many, how many times? How many times is Tristan Thompson gonna cheat on Khloe Kardashian before we just? Before it's right. just like, bitch, leave. Right, but, that's, but that's but that's Tristan, and Tristan is messy, and he agrees to all of that. Kanye, if anything, it felt like Kanye was not on the show that much, and like they were almost trying to, like. I don't know. It felt like either he didn't want to be or they were trying to protect him by not keeping him on that much. And, and when he got with the Kardashians, I mean, he he I'm not saying it's a one to one relationship here, but it seems like that's when he got really religious. It seemed like family life was stabilizing in some ways. It seemed that he really liked the traditional setup that he had over there. It seemed like he had a good relationship with Chris and appreciated that maternal energy you don't think that there's a there's an argument and to be Bray. made that like being in that world for a while kept him excuse me kept him and together Bray. for a little what bit longer than Bray. he would have what did you just say right there he got what? religious is all of this matrix is all this matriarchy. <laughs> he's trying to replace he's trying to replace his mom with chris and chris is pimping his ass out driving him crazy to the point where now his ass is on stage crying about i almost aborted my daughter and it's just been downhill ever since that shit Somebody, please but, give but, Kanye but West a give Kanye I, West a teddy bear and a hug, please. But, but I, 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 I see that as him, like you know, he was gonna de he was gonna decompose no matter what, and when you decompose, he's gonna pick up whatever he's or what's around him, and that's gonna I be part of know. the decomposition. But if like, you don't think that, that if he had been single, sense. you're telling me that you think that if Kanye had been single after all of that uh, Taylor Swift stuff and that was happening, that if he had been single for the last eight years or however long it's been running around. He wouldn't have gotten himself hooked up in some other wild, crazy situation and been look. Cause when he was with Kim, there was none of this weirdness with the, what's that Fox girl with the bad eye makeup. Um, uh, I'm, I was, I was just Shefty's muse, her Fox, something Fox. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about yeah. running around all of these shenanigans, all of these shenanigans are after no. the divorce. 
No, I don't think so. And you know why? So what was he doing when he was with Kim? Tell no, me, tell me the shenanigans no, that he got up to when he was with Kim. Before he was no, because before he was with Kim, and before all, and before he started to spiral out of control with his mom, he was hanging out with like Neil Soul and like backpack rappers. He was not with. He was not in that. He was not in that crazy A list Hollywood crowd. Through grief, anybody can go through grief and lose. Anybody can go through grief and lose their shit. It can either go one or two ways. You can either find some way to deal. You, we can find some way to deal with it and get him healed. And he can. He has not healed from that shit clearly. So where else is there to go than the direction he's going right now? And when you got money. All it does is magnify that shit. That shit, he is gone. He is off the rails. He is gone nuts. It is just a circus at this point. Okay, Red. Final question before I have to take the next caller. Are you are you telling Are you telling me that you're not going to listen to any Kanye music going forward in Chicago? Bree, Bree, Bree. We as Chicago, we in Chicago has been having a hard time. It's already was hard enough. We was going through it with our Kelly, who was the worst kept secret in the whole mm-hmm. city. No. Mm-hmm. No, I've I've been done. I've been done with Kanye probably after the probably even before after the Pablo. I am no, I've been done, and it's just like I'm out of the circus, and that's just it. I'm I'm out of the circus, and I ain't smoked enough weed to even I ain't smoked enough weed this week to deal with this shit right now. (laughs) All right, speaking of weed, hold on. Mm -hmm. Bree, you almost broke my heart because you thought Mm. you slick. Because last week with the Katie Help episode. I was still listening to it, and I heard you say it. You said it. If Joe Biden or if somebody legalized weed, you spoke in a joint. He didn't legalize weed. He didn't yet. But he did not legalize weed. He did not yet. But if he does, or if somebody does, you have got to let me roll the joint, please. I got the perfect. I got the perfect strand for you. I'm gonna bring you up. I'm gonna bring you up so damn high. I just bought my ticket to Chicago. I'm coming in a, in a couple of weeks. So if, if Joe Biden legalizes weed before I come to Chicago for Halloween, you can roll my joint. You can roll my joint, Red. Even if he do it anytime after that, I will fly out to the D.C. personally. I will fly out to the D.C. personally. I got the per- Hey. Hey, bad fake chat. We need the strand. We need... We- Let's not give Bri a crazy strand, though. I'm thinking maybe Sour Diesel, maybe Blue Dream. I think I think Bri would like Girl Scout cookies. I think some of that. I will have the candy. I will have the edibles and all that stuff ready. All right. Okay, wait, I'll, I'll hold you to you it. Sure you don't want me to send you? Well, wait. Midterms is coming up. You sure you don't need me to send you something now? <laughs> if we if we do an episode where we well, rewatch midterms, the... I, I know you're going to need it because I know I am. It, it, if I I'll only need it if we if we rewatch that American Horror Story episode or se- oh, season. Lord. I'm not trying to see how this damn season. Oh, Lord, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this season seven to end. But Bree, you, Bree, you gotta let me out. You gotta let me out. I got it. Somebody and somebody DM me the strain. We gonna we gonna do a poll right now. I'm thinking Blue Dream, Girl Scout cookies, Sour Diesel. Um, I I, I think Gorilla. I don't know about Gorilla Gloom. That one might be too. I don't know. Bree, you just got to tell me what you want. If you want something that's going to bring you. Uh, we going to figure it out. We going to figure it okay. out. Okay. Well, you you guys I, workshop that. I put my faith in you guys, except for I don't put any faith in uh, Joe Biden. So this is probably not going to happen. But I really appreciate the support. 
and the research and time you're willing to put into making sure that my first experience is a pleasant one. Keep the faith, my I friend. Got you, I got you. <laughs> Somebody, please, please give Kanye West a petty bed so he can stop this chick. <laughs> Keep the faith, y'all. <laughs> Keep the faith, man. Take care. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Ooh, okay, Eric, not Eric Gray. How you doing? Ooh, what happened? Oh, I am doing good. Unfortunately, I don't got that same amount of energy that Red got. So uh, you're going to have to just deal with it. I'm sorry. <laughs> we, not, none of us have the energy that Red has. <laughs> oh, but I do enjoy listening to Red. He is hilarious. <laughs> we need to get Red and Olayami a podcast together. Oh, can you imagine? I don't know if any, I don't know what app that can handle that. <laughs> uh, but um, one of the uh, I really enjoyed. I really like Olami. I really like when she when um, you have conversations with her. I love her on the Rising. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the parts of the conversation that I found most interesting it was towards the end when y'all started when Olami started to get into the differences between you two, and how she started talking about how she just doesn't interact with people like Candace Owen, and even mm-hmm. to the point where. I think the main uh, difference, she didn't even interact with the audiences that mm. listen to Candace Owens and mm. how you have more of a, of a task or a goal to try to see how many of those people can, by structuring conversations in a certain way, picking out the nuggets of truth and showing how they're, how people like Candace Owens use those truths to then pervert them and to get you on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. And that's probably one of the things that I struggle with the most because I do find value in that. Mm-hmm. And at sometimes I find like, even though I find value in that, is it really doing a lot? Does the means justify the ends? Is there enough? Yeah, it's a, it's a hard question. <clears throat> I was actually just talking to a friend about this today because I had a bit of a kind of a tough, busy week. Tuesday just was just a hellish day. Um, I mean, it was good, but I, I was, it was very booked because I had agreed to do a, um, uh, like host the book opening for my friend, Vanessa AB from formerly of current affairs. Uh, she, her debut novel, a memoir is out. And so I had to make sure I had finished the book. It was like doing a lot of speed reading and it was the day I interviewed Eliami and I had rising in the morning and there was just a lot going on that day. And when I finally got to the book event, I went out afterward and we had a drink with her and her, some of her friends who I know, um, you know, people who are in this, in the lefty circle here in, in DC, people who have been on the podcast, you know, other leftists around. And I was talking about my day and recent interview topics and what had been happening on the podcast and what had been happening with rising and Katie and stuff. And I kept finding myself saying things and I felt a little like, I feel this increasingly, even when I'm with like like-minded people, I feel sometimes like everything that I say, all of my takes are so measured. No, the people hate them. Everyone. I feel like everyone's mad at me. <laughs> I feel mm. like everyone's mad at me all the time. And I cannot open my mouth and say a single authentic thing without risking that someone's going to be very, very mad at me. And it's, I can't even predict who's going to be mad at me at this point. And it makes me feel really isolated sometimes. Um, because if I do something like have Aaron Monte on the, on the podcast, there is a lot of the left who thinks that's a problem. Not just yeah. like libs or Republicans or people that I expect to kind of disagree with. 
And I feel myself having a smaller and smaller pool of people who think that like, I'm okay. Like I'm okay to socialize with, I'm okay to be around. I'm okay to retweet. And mm -hmm. even as I go and try to find guests for the podcast, increasingly people who were like maybe easy go-tos before, I find myself pausing and wondering like, do they hate me now? <laughs> like, uh -huh. is it awkward for me to reach out to them now? And that's me, I'm being a little melodramatic here. Like, like grain of salt, I just had, a, I just am tired. I had a bit of a week. But it's also, I don't know, I've been thinking a lot about like, well, if, if I'm feeling so isolated, even within my own community, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is wrong for me to be spending so much time paying attention to what Tucker Carlson and Candace Owens are doing. And maybe I am giving them too much credit. And maybe Olaya is right. And that I should just say, fuck them hoes. And like not countenance anything that comes out of their mouth and assume that everybody who is listening to them knows better and is acting in bad faith and is racist and isn't going to be an ally ever. And I should just go and do mutual aid and, and like, forget all of this. And, and, and I don't know, like I'm not saying that in a glib way. I, I really sometimes think, okay, well, maybe that's just right. Maybe everyone's telling me I'm wrong because I am wrong and I'm just on the wrong path and I need to stop and reevaluate to see if this is really the most constructive thing I should be doing. Because here's where I come from that. Like, here's what really makes it kind of difficult for me in understanding exactly how much I should tread in those waters is how much of it, because when I look at people like Candace Owen, I look at, like, you look, take Candace Owen, take Tim Pool, take Steven Crowder, take Ben Shapiro. These people have, and then you juxtapose that to people on the left like the viewership is not even close mm -hmm. like how many people do we have on the left that actually have a million plus subscribers mm -hmm. who and you can't really count tyt because tyt you know they got in there and to start a youtube mm -hmm. so they're like an outlier so it's mm -hmm. like so when i look at the subscribers on the social medias i'm like they have so much and they have such a big voice but then i also know that because yeah, i would I mean, say yeah, yeah. i doubt no one i don't think anyone on our side is going over to candace owens but i do think yeah we have more of a chance of getting because i do think there's a hollowness to what they said i do think at the end of the day there is a hollowness to their rhetoric and I think there's a better chance that even if it may be just a small number of people, like a real small number, I think it's worth it in the end. I mean, that's, that's been where I've, I've been at. I mean, when I was watching the Candace Owens video, the one in which she talks about Kanye, but then moves on and talk about some other stuff about halfway through when she went through that whole thing with Ted Lou, I was, it's, it's kind of stunning. You know, I've, I've said this before, but I started writing, and I got into this space because I just kept seeing people make, people on the broad left, liberals, whatever, make just, like, dumb arguments. There was some, like, really obviously dumb stuff that was going on that I had a problem with. But the only critique that I saw of the dumb stuff was from conservatives who were making not the critique I would have made, right? Mm -hmm. So it seemed like there was some obvious dumb some obvious dumb stuff happening with identity politics, especially around the 2016 election. There were some obvious dumb claims that were being made about, you know, how we should just believe everybody who's a woman. And it was so reductive and it was obviously dumb. Right. Now I didn't want to join up with Republicans who were saying race doesn't matter and we should, you know, colorblind society and all of this stuff. But you know, I, I wanted my own critique. So I started writing and then there was such an appetite for it. But what I came to understand was that, 
there are a bunch of liberals, there are a bunch of people on the left who don't want to be conservatives, who know that the conservative takes are wrong, but there's no outlet for someone just to call out the dumb stuff that we can see happening among the, often driven by the elites in our own kind of political faction. And the second article I wrote was about cultural appropriation and trying to narrow the arguments there about like what really we should have a problem with and what is just hair. Or, you know, if we're really mad about the underlying economic conditions that make it so that, you know, a white couple that opens a, a taco restaurant has more success than a Mexican couple opening a taco restaurant. Like, is that really what we're mad at? Or are, are we really saying that, Mex that white people can't have taco? Like, no, right? So refining those arguments, trying to get at the root of what it is that's bothering us so that we don't get, get so easily caricatured by the right the way we do. Was, it seems so obviously to be an important part of my mission. And now cut to like five, six years. Characterized or read as someone who has a sincere, credulous admiration for the right. And, uh, and it, I, I, I won't lie and say that that's weighing on me. And I think one of the things, like one of the issues that I have is that I don't know if it's just the way I was raised. I have three older brothers, you know, feelings is not, a, you know, I don't come from a very emotional family. So I'm not as sensitive as a lot of other people. So when, so like, I know a lot of people are up in arms with, you know, the, the show that Dharma came out. And I listened to their grievances about the show and actually agreed with some of their perspective about the show, about, you know, how people watch, you know, the show Dahmer and, you know, they glorify serial killers and all that other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, there are people who are going to do that. But the way I look, when I watched the Dahmer series, I didn't finish it yet. I mm -hmm. looked at it and I'm like, why can't I, well, I see that point. But I also see another point. This show, to me, showed the ineptness the homophobia and the racism of the police that mm -hmm. allowed this man to kill 17 people. Mm -hmm. To me, that is a, I think that to me is a more important message mm -hmm. than if some idiot white girl puts some TikTok about how much they like Dahmer or some nonsense like mm -hmm. that. Because, mm -hmm. you know, they got a very attractive actor to play the guy. Mm -hmm. He's physically fit. Mm -hmm. And so, um, one of the things that I like what you do is, and I think what the left, um, like they, they, um, when they come, like, for example, I think we lose more people certain times, especially when you get like, I think where we have an issue are those people that are kind of like the edge. Like when you talk about your Joe Rogans, like, mm -hmm. I think part of the reason, or even the Russell Brands of the world, mm -hmm. I think what I think we're, we pushed them. I don't even think Russell Brand doesn't include Russell Brand, but I think we've pushed Joe Rogan farther right i agree i, I agree because he's just like oh y'all don't like me anyway so i'm not gonna have you on yeah i'm just gonna have all these and he's and even though he won't say it, he is impressionable he i could tell when he talks about certain things that okay when he talked and had bernie sanders on like mm -hmm. he likes tulsi gabbard because there is a element of of his understanding of freedom that Tulsi speaks to. Mm -hmm. Tulsi speaks to him about how, like, he just want people to be free to say what they want to say and be who they want to be. Mm -hmm. And Tulsi speaks to that. Mm -hmm. But Tulsi also comes with a whole lot of the baggage. But because mm -hmm. she addresses mm -hmm. Jogan and Oregon first as you're not evil, 
Mm-hmm. Like I do agree. Joe Rogan has some pro- he says some problematic stuff. Mm-hmm, he says mm-hmm. some transphobic stuff. Mm-hmm. But when we act like he's evil, mm-hmm. that is where I that's where I think we go. We just jump like Aramate too. Does, do I agree with everything Aramate says about the Russia Ukraine thing? I think he goes a little too far with you know his um. I don't think he's pro Russia. I just think he's pointing out the uh, steps that United States has made mm-hmm. to lead to the point where Russia invaded. I wish he would still, you know, harp a little bit more on that. At the end of the day, Russia still invaded a sovereign country. Mm-hmm. But I don't hate him. I don't think, I'm not going to sit there and say he's some Russian puppet. I just, like, I just don't, like, it's always, it's like what you say. It's like they... I find even with it, it happens like the left does it to the, you know, like the Candace Owens. The liberals do it to Candace Owens and people like her a lot. Mm-hmm. They, um, they, uh, they charge her with more than they can claim. And I even yes. see inside the leftists too. They mm-hmm. charge Aaron Mate and Joe Rogan with more than they can, they, they can prove. Mm-hmm. And I, saw, and I actually think Olami, when she discussed certain things, I think she just doesn't, I, I'm not sure if she just has an innate ability about that, but when she talks about them on the few occasions she does, she never charges anyone with more than they can claim, nor does she can claim. She does it actually very well. Mm-hmm. I, I, I view that when she talks about these people, I find that she, she does it in a, um, I don't think she's gonna, like when she's on Rising, she's talking to Robbie about the police mm-hmm. and everything like that. I think she talks about them in a way, and when she comes with them with facts, like she breaks it down in a very, you know, even though there's a charge, there's a, um, an emotional charge to how she says things that might turn certain people off. But you'll have a hard time if you just take what she says and break it down. You can't really, there's no real holes in there. Yeah, Ryzen will teach you real quick not to do that because they'll come after you uh, uh, over any low hanging fruit. And I think that it's something that you, you know, going on the show multiple times helps you to refine. I mean, I do think, I I do think like there are, there are, there are things that I, like, for example, you know, Alaymi, you know, described Candace Owens as a, as a kind of um, token and says that conservatives will take any black person who can string two words together and hold them up in, in this kind of tokenized way to prove that they're not really racist. And I think that that's true. I also think that that argument gets applied. You know, the idea that black people who have political beliefs that basically aren't lib dims are puppets of other white people is a charge that is so commonly applied, including to black leftists, that even if it is obviously true that there's a huge financial lane to being a black conservative or frankly even a black leftist i i prefer i prefer not to make that argument because i can't prove it and it does seem on some level to diminish the autonomy of a person in a way that i'm not entirely comfortable with i mean it's, it's one thing to say like so what candace owens has made a choice that is in part informed by how lucrative that choice is it's another thing to say like white people are putting words in her mouth I'm a little uncomfortable with the latter. I actually don't think white people are putting words in her mouth. I think the former is actually more the case. She's mm-hmm. like, oh, I can make money and profit 
off of saying and being a certain type of black conservative. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. I also think that she believe like I, I, I'm not saying that she believes every part of what she says, but I, I think that she, I think she is conservative. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't, I don't think that she's like going to bed every night saying like, Oh, now I'm going to go secretly vote for Hillary Clinton. You know, she doesn't secretly believe in, you know, Medicare for all. She truly believes in a free market economy. even though Yeah, and I think she's legitimately disgusted by liberals, ironically, for some of the same reasons that we're disgusted by liberals. We just have a different approach and a different focus. So, yeah, there's there's some stuff like that. Like, I, I sometimes feel like I, 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 I am very sensitive. I When I talk, especially, your example on Rising is so interesting because – I think rising and being in those kind of environments, it trains you to be hyper aware of how you're going to be perceived by a lot of bad faith actors. A lot of people, I won't say bad faith actors, but people who very, very much are going to be quick to take the worst interpretation of everything that you say. And that can lead you to being like very defensive and like overly cautious and to feel kind of dogged down the way that I frankly feel dogged down right now. Like I can't say anything. I can't make anybody happy. This Tulsi radar that I did earlier this week, I didn't say that Tulsi was a Republican. I all I said was if she wants to be treated think, thought of credibly by the left that once loved and embraced her, she would do well to also criticize Republicans as much as she criticizes the Democrats and point out that the problem is a is a pro-war duopoly. That's all I said. And all the comments are like, "Oh, but like you didn't watch her on Joe Rogan, so you don't know that she actually does criticize Republicans." It's like, "Honey, first of all, I was not a on Tuesday night when I was running around like a chicken with her head cut off, watching three hours of Joe Rogan before I went to bed. No, I came home from the book reading and stayed up to four o'clock in the morning writing a radar. I was not watching Joe Rogan. Correct. But I don't have to watch her most recent interview when she has a years and years and years of being in the public eye. And we know what she's. And I, I analyzed her written statement on her. Any of the things that made people love, love her. Except on this one narrow issue she's gotten to the left of some Democrats on the war in Ukraine. But so, you, yeah, go ahead. People like, this is one of the things that get me about the people who really like Tulsi Gabbard and will consider Tulsi Gabbard as like anti-war person. She wasn't, like, wasn't what, a year ago she was bragging how she was in some covert operation in Africa? Cause she, she, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Like, what was she doing in that? She supported the drone war and a lot of other things. And it's like, so why did I bring that up? I, I brought that up because I feel like I've been beating myself up for the last two days. Like, okay, how could I have done that differently? Like, I was tired and ready in the, at dawn, but how could I have done that different, written that differently to anticipate that criticism and get some goodwill going? Because I think it's going to be important for a certain audience to see me as someone who is not hostile to Tulsi as a person, who is not having a knee jerk response to the idea that she could be a positive influence in the political sphere. If I am going to have the power to then make substantive criticisms of her choices that she makes going forward, like how much goodwill, like what is the balance between, you know, caveating my language, complimenting her for the things that she has done right, getting enough goodwill so that people can really hear me when I say, I'm not against the idea of Tulsi Gabbard. I, and I'm not offended by her having left the democratic party. I am not a Democrat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> However, 
there needs to be more. And, 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 and so like, I don't know, like, am I, is that a fool's errand? Should I like say piss off to everyone? Cause I, you know, I think I, I did say those things in the radar. I did say right up top. I'm not a Democrat. I'm not mad at her leaving the democratic party. And if people are still making comments about how I'm just butthurt because you know, I'm a, I'm a mad dem. Well, there's nothing really I can do about it on some level, but I, I find myself like on a hamster wheel of like, okay. Okay. Like, like I got, I gotta get, I gotta get, how do, how do I become a credible interlocutor on this issue of Tulsa Gabbard, which is not going away? And so, like, I guess one of the last points I wanted to bring up before I go is um, I am one of the things that, you know, really irks me, though, and I get a little jealous, is that how when you look at people like uh, particularly like on the, the far right, like the Candace Owens, you know, all your regular people, how they're just able to. Like, when we speak, we have, like, I can't just say, you know, someone can be, we have, like, a conversation about trans people and people, like, I can't simply just go and talk to people. Like, you know what? Trans people should exist. Trans people should have the rights because they're here. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. Trans people are here. They exist. They're real. Leave them alone. And they just get this ability where they can just, they don't have to caveat anything, really. They, and they, they manipulate this idea of, like, you know, there's no such thing as implications in sometimes when people who are sympathetic to like the Candace Owens and those people on the right and you're trying to break that down why what they're saying is wrong or where's the errors in what they're saying I find sometimes it's like we ignore implied thought there's no such thing as an implied thought anymore sometimes when you have these conversations mm-hmm. like would make a statement and I would say well yes she didn't explicitly say x y and c you can see where it's implied and why i have and this i just hate the fact that i got to do more work because um i'm not sure if i'm explaining this correctly yeah no i get i get you it's just I like get you. that gets on my nerves that um because i you know what brothers up i remember listening to a cod Kalinsky was um did a video and he was talking about pierre morgan had an interview with one of those um, Manosphere's people who just got kicked off of YouTube because they were saying some... They didn't get kicked off because of the misogyny. They got mm-hmm. kicked off because I think they said something about COVID that was wrong. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about when Pierce Morgan was calling him misogynist. And Kyle Kalinsky was saying, well, you know, what he... I'm going off on a tangent, but yeah. No, no, but no, I, I get you, but like, this is, this is why people were mad at me about my, like, is Tucker Carlson right radar? But like I, I know that we all feel like we lived through the early aughts in the late nineties and that everybody understands everything about systemic racism and all of that stuff. And, you know, it is, it is sexist to tell a woman at work that her shirt is nice and that it's, you know, racist to ask someone where they're from and that like, you shouldn't touch people's hair. Like we think that everybody knows and that you don't have to be specific about subtext, but the problem is all of that. All of that, like, discourse was happening in a, in a small part of America on, on liberal television shows and on college campuses. And there were a lot of people who have been, one, resenting all of that the whole time, not really understanding it or are also just not caring and being racist. And that's also, like, obviously on the table. But, like, when I – like, I, I do think that people – People like people do and say racist and sexist and bigoted things all the time. Some percentage of the time they know it and they don't care, and some percentage of the time mm, they don't. They so don't. Like know. the first, the earlier caller who was like, they just are finding out about stuff that are anti-Semitic tri- uh, tropes as an adult, and you know, and and 
like I, I understand that maybe my calculation about what the ratio is is off. I don't really know what the ratio is, but my feeling is that even if it's only like three percent, five percent of people that are working in good faith, it, it's worth it's worth it for me to be a little bit more patient and to do the explanation. I don't expect that of everybody, but when I explained in in words that weren't racist, white nationalist, well, when I just used words instead of these descriptors to explain what Tucker Carlson was doing, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, I guess I see that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, I'm going to go after this, but I just found out my brother actually watches you. He doesn't like follow everything, but I didn't realize that. And he really likes you. And he's an interesting character. So I'm telling you, yeah. <laughs> he, he's very, uh, he's, he's left-ish, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, he, if he likes you. It's the last caller. Um, talking about like feeling feeling a little bit down and trying to feel like you know, um, it sometimes may feel like it's not be won't it's like it's not worth it, you know, to pursue like the project that you want. Mm-hmm. I really, truly, from the bottom of my heart, want you to try like dispel that as much as much as possible. I'm gonna try to give you like and like give you an example that's personal to me. I think it's just, uh, and I hope it will be, I hope it will be you know like formative for you as well, like. People, people always find it crazy when I tell people that like Trump was the most important like president, like to me, because how he dispelled all of like the previous like bullshit that used to be um that that used to be like known like common knowledge and shit. Like Trump was completely hated by by the Republican Party mm-hmm. and by, by the media, by the Democrats and everything, mm-hmm. but still pushed and like end up winning like anyway. You no know, saying fuck you to everybody. Like, like, um, just from off of tweets and shit, you know, uh, and writing like writing small articles, end up going on to you know be an editor out, editor out of paper, running like being uh like the press like uh, uh, secretary and everything for a top like here like um the candidate and everything. Now you running running this show was like the biggest show on like calling and, and, and everything. So like, thanks for noticing. Like, if you feel like if you feel like the hate got you here, imagine what the love gonna take you. You feel me? Like so like fuck all the other all the other shit. Long as you are speaking truth, people are gonna connect with the truth and they're gonna propel you. It's the same thing that happened with Bernie. Same thing happened with Andrew Yang. Like nobody knew who the fuck Yang was. But you know, he was speaking to a true element and it despite all the shade, like you know that they threw at him, saying the wrong name, leaving him off of graphics and shit, mm-hmm. he still, you know, was propelled. You know, so like fuck fuck the bullshit, fuck the hate. As long as you good with yourself, and like I said, Cornell West fuck with you, so that's a big ass plus. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, not too many people can say that. That's a big ass plus, you feel me? <laughs> I, I guess I guess my issue is that I I don't like I'm not it's not that I have a take that I'm standing behind and that I'm like ambivalent about now. It's it's that I don't wanna have takes. I'm really actually just trying to work things out. And I feel like I have fewer and fewer people who are just willing to get come in conversation with me to work things out because they presume something about what my take is a priori, right? So, like, I had, like, you know, I, I interviewed Matt Dust because, you know, Ukraine mm-hmm. happens. I say, who's who do I know who does foreign policy? Oh, let's talk to for, Bernie's foreign policy guy. You know, not knowing what his take was going to be mm-hmm. and not fully even understanding at the time why it was as, as bad, people reacted as negatively as they did. And there was this presumption that I agreed with him. Well, no, I interviewed him. And mm-hmm. then people made suggestions that I interviewed someone else. You know, I had Max Blumenthal on. You know, I have Aaron Mate on. I, mm-hmm. I, I did the Vinay Prasad episode. People had thoughts and feelings. I did the most recent episode, COVID episode. People had thoughts and feelings. And we'll go back and forth because I think there's some truth in what a lot of these people are saying. 
Mm-hmm. There's, a tr- there's, there's some truth in what every single guest has said. Absolutely. It, it has helped me to understand the world better. Every single guest has, regardless of whether or not I disagree with him, regardless of whether or not we ended up arguing for three hours like Norman Finkelstein, God bless him, love him to death. Like, no matter what, it, it's, but it's, it, what, is, what, is, what feels toxic for me? I'm sorry to make this a fucking therapy no, session heard, about me. Heard. Like, nobody cares. I mean, this is your show. I mean, <laughs> I need to, I need to, just, I need to, I need to pay a professional instead of hamstringing you guys into it. <laughs> But like what, what feels toxic to me is that like what's what's suffocating is feeling like I can't even work it through. Like I think there's so much power in the vulnerability of working something through publicly. Mm-hmm. And it feels like really toxic to get punished for that or to be forced into having a quote unquote take. Like this this AOC thing, I would love to do an record an episode tomorrow for Monday about this the people who are protesting AOC all of the stuff that's been coming out since where apparently you guys know about this, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about it this morning on rising. Um, A couple of uh, leftists um, approached her. I don't mean this statement with judgment. I'm just trying to describe what happened kind of very loudly uh, shouted at her at a meeting uh, and told her that she was a coward for not for voting uncritically for all of the aid to Ukraine and getting us closer to war war three nuclear war and she told them that they you know she wasn't really going to respond in the moment because they were being rude subsequently on the internet Mehdi Hassan a bunch of people who are generally supportive and not especially critical of AOC um were defending her and saying that the people who were shouting at her were being inappropriate and she tweeted in response to Mehdi Hassan saying that it was even worse because it was a, a, a question from a deaf constituent that she was trying to answer. Come to find out, one of the protesters was on RBN tonight and said that she wasn't, there were no live questions being taken. She was reading a constituent's question off a piece of paper. She's just trying to weaponize the idea that they were shouting down a deaf person mm-hmm. to defend her stance or noncommittalness about Ukraine, et cetera. And America's role in that war. Okay, there's a lot going on there. There's a there's a lot of different th- feelings you can have. Apparently, the political orientation of the two leftists has caused people to scrutinize them. I don't really know what a LaRouche person is or why that is bad, but I would like to talk about it with someone. Okay. I don't really, I, I can see arguments for how, the, is this the best optics battle? Should they have had a different kind of a tone? You know, even if the, what they, I agree with what they were saying. Maybe what do some of their statements I completely agree with while others were too maximalist and laying too much at AOC's feet potentially, but I feel like I can't even wade into that without, if I, if I put any nuance on this, it's going to be either Brianna gray is an apologist for the squad because they're her friends and she is a neoliberal and she doesn't think that people should protest. No, no, no. <laughs> or alternatively, Brianna Gray is completely un- like unfair to AOC. She thinks that she can't do anything right. She criticizes her for clout mm-hmm. and, and that whole thing. And it's like, I can't even think of who can I get to even have this conversation with me who I can like try to sort out how I even feel about all of this mm-hmm. without jumping to one of those two conclusions. I'm like, I'm running out of people. Like I can think of a lot of people who will be like, to, of just, of just was fucking real. You know, like, and yeah. I, I I've, I've experienced like a lot of people, a lot of a lot of my friends, like a lot of my my lip more so liberal, like Democratic friends. A lot of times they be thinking I'd be like a Republican just because I'm just, I'm not as just quick to call like something like racist without trying to understand what was going on first, you know, or I'm not just gonna bandwagon like hop on the shit, 
you know, or I can understand where like a right leaning person is coming from, like mm-hmm. from, a, um, you know, like from a, a whatever position that they may hold, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I do think it is like, you bring this up a lot. I do think it is, it's definitely worth it to always try to think about how can you say your message more effectively, but mm-hmm. I don't think your, the message itself is a problem. Like if that's the thing that you that you're like worrying about, that's not, I, I would, I would expel, I would spell those thoughts. Like you see it in like in the comment set, uh, comment sections. Like I know you said it's been a while since it's been on, but like I've been trying to, uh, I've been checking out like some more the rise more more often, and mm-hmm. looking at like some of the comments. And I don't know how many times I go in the comments and see somebody say like when you're doing like a radar or you having a disagreement with a uh, Robbie, somebody on there saying like, oh I don't really usually agree with Bree, but she's spot on with this one. Like oh like uh, Bree's normally not my t- my cup of tea, but I get the point that she's saying, you know, and so on like and so forth. So what you're saying like it, because like I said, the truth resonates with people. You know whether whether how to, no matter how mm-hmm. they feel about the speaker is going is going to resonate like you no know, resonate what resonate with the people that it needs to resonate with. You feel me? Well, yeah. I mean, those are the comments. That's literally those comments are the only reason that it's worthwhile to me to do guys. It's worth I gotta it. say, I woke it, up. It, I was going in this morning. I was like, Lord, why was I even considering not leaving when the Katie thing happened? Like mm-hmm. that was an easy out, and I because I don't. I'm so fucking glad you did and you did that and you did the all right. At first I was thinking the same shit. I was telling my wife, I'm like, yo, Brie cool with Katie, Brie might leave. I'm really interested to see what's gonna fucking happen. But like the the explanation that you gave, I'm like, cool, I, I fucking get that. You know, like I understand and like and I, and I get that. Now every time I come on here with you, I tell I say um that I feel so so much of like a, a kinship within the camaraderie camaraderie uh with you in a way because I'll just like you, I try a lot to speak to people on the other side and to try to bring them over, you know, over like to the left. You know, people all the time be talking about uh, you don't want to platform people on the right because they're gonna blend, you gonna bring people to the left over, but never talk vice versa, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, like that's that's the thing that I, you know that I try my personal life to do to do a lot, and I and I get so happy, you know, when I see you do it in an honest way, you know, like you're actually willing like to interrogate somebody's thoughts. You know, like to really in, in the open way too, to really to be okay to have your mind changed on certain things. You know, like not not a principle things to get changed, but like how you might conceptualize some like a certain issue. You know, and like so, yeah. I was so I, that that touched me deeply. Like why you know why you chose or why you chose to stay, and I applaud you for it. And I feel like more people should too. You feel me? Like, so like the yeah. people like the people in this yeah. calling and the people that come like you're the number one show on here for a reason. Like, you know, like, y'all let your nuts hang a little bit on that. Like, you're the number one show on here for a reason. You feel me? <laughs> well, I do. I do love the platform. And by the way, there's a new, um, I got a text from some Colin folks today. There's a new, uh, like, a video. They, they've, I, I didn't read the text very closely. I should actually read that. Sorry, Charlie, if you're in here listening. Um, mm. But they've got their, like, video aspect of it set up. So, you know, sometimes I, like, wire it up. So I use Colin to take questions on YouTube apparently like while i'm doing a stream like we did for the katie stream last week apparently yeah. they figured out a way to make it more seamless to just integrate the call and app to like a video feature as well so i like if i had my druthers i would like this is my my favorite format like for for many reasons one don't have to book a guest i love mm-hmm. that for us <laughs> i love that for my time management skills two mm-hmm. it's because there's a million guests and it's all of you and you guys are Frankly, you you follow issues in New York 
and mm-hmm. shit, you know, instead of actually going, you know, like to the source, actually feel and hear like what people say. Like, you know, you can go, you can go to any UAW hall, you know, you know talk to some like the rep- uh, like committee people there, like any look up your local uh, Teamsters union and shit, like whatever in the area is. It's more, there's going to be plenty of people willing, like, you know, willing to talk more so common folk people. And it's going to give so much more of a nuanced response, you know, to like certain things or how certain people feel. You know about uh, about like issues because so many people's beliefs are so scattershot, like just so fucking like yeah, every, you know? yeah. That's that 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 is that is the key insight. And when people are like, we know when people say things like, I know how you know Tucker thinks, or I know how the people who watch Tucker thinks, like it's a known quality. I'm like, I, I wish I knew what you knew because I'm constantly exactly. surprised when people open their mouths oh. and the jumble of political opinions comes out that, that does not match up. To what you think Joe Scarborough or whoever is going to tell you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm constantly surprised by old white folks, old country white folks down here, like consistently. Like, surprised. Like, I know this super, like, super Christian older like, white dude. He runs like a couple, like, Bible study classes and, like, and everything. Like, he, he's from Kentucky, you know, so he, he is, like, he's from down here. He is hardcore, right? Only voted for Republicans, like, every day of his life. And when I was talking to him about like the abortion thing, like about them repealing like Roe versus Wade and how he was against that blew my fucking mind. Mm-hmm. I would never have thought, you know, that that, that would have been, that would have been his position, mm-hmm. but like, I never like would like talk to him about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like he has, he has more so of like thoughts like abortion as me. Like, yeah, I don't want to have a whole bunch of people. I don't want, I don't want people to feel like they have to have an abortion. So I want to have, mm-hmm want to have bring up more economic since economics is the main reason mm-hmm. people have abortions mm-hmm. more you know more um more economic uh opportunities and other policies to help people like alleviate like the stresses which would make them have them in the first place but making them illegal you know just gonna kill people but mm-hmm. like that's but like, to see him you know like have that like said completely like uh, blew my mind that's why i want more people to actually like talk to people who they think they're going to like disagree with to like to not even like to get your mind changed you know like you know, to your own personal mind or beliefs changed but to just understand like the other people that yeah. you well, at least that you're going up against you feel me yeah i i just i don't want to lose i, I sometimes of think you know people are right I, like i care too much what folks think and i need to like pull it back but then sometimes i think i don't want to lose my humanism and all of this and on a basic level i feel like I have to challenge myself to always care what people think and always engage with people on an individual and humanistic level. Cause what else is there? Like oh, it is, really? it's repugnant. And at some point you have to save your own adrenal glands and protect your mental health and all of that. Mm-hmm. But like I, I, when I went to, when I told, I think I told you guys that I went to Cleveland over whatever that day oh, off was yeah. Memorial day, I guess. Memorial. No, that was too long ago. Uh, Labor day, Labor day. <laughs> um, and I had my, my Lyft driver back was, you know, I was in Cleveland and I knew the politics were going to be all over the place, but I got into it and there's a long drive from the, for the airport with this you know, middle-aged white guy. And it came out very quickly that he was a Trump supporter. And we were, we, you know, we were in the car together for a long time and it was a good combo and it was tough. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't love the things that were coming out of my mouth and I was being very selective about what I said in response, mm-hmm. but it was, it was good for me. Because at the end of the day, he was someone who was dealing with some health issues, who didn't have a lot of money, who had kids that were dealing with some financial constraints, who, who was a person who in every single way is a person that we're literally doing this for. They get regardless it. Regardless of what he believes. They get it. Like, that's why I feel like more people on the like, we can't, as people are like on the left, we can't keep saying 
our our policies and our beliefs are popular, but n- not acting like it. Mm-hmm. No, we got like we we got a lot of fucking nuts hanging on that. Like like if Trump can go out go around saying some bullshit and people know it's bullshit, know to their heart and believe like that's bullshit, but can still be successful. Like I said, then we if, if we know our our policies and everything is like uh, it's popular among everybody in the country, among our people and you know and our so and our so called like political en- enemies and everything. We need to act like it. We need to not capitulate to so much stuff, but let like criticism stop us, you know, from saying for saying what's real. You feel? Yeah, yeah. a hundred percent. Look, Jim, I appreciate you. I've done the thing again. I've been with every single caller for like twenty minutes. <laughs> I need to get my act together. I'm so sorry, everybody in the line. Let me get my act together. Thank you, Jan, though, for calling in. That's all love. All right, keep the faith. Uh, Wraith, what's on your mind tonight? Birthday you want there. I was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm finna win this money. I'm finna win this. I was excited. And then come Thursday, you had to show up. That was a cute outfit you had on. I think it was like black and gray or something. It was my new oh, sweater vest. Yes, thank I you. I appreciate like, it. Why you had to go to work? Like, damn, I needed that $20. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Look, if if something like this goes down again, I'll let you know in advance so we can rig Rig it and you can get your money back. Girl, we gotta go to Vegas. You're gonna act like that right there. But look, um, I I just watched, I just I was trying to catch up on the Kanye thing. I thought you was gonna start later, probably like 7 30, 8 30, like normal. So I Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I I wanted to get to bed tonight. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I watched like half of it. And like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it mm, I don't I don't know about canceling people. Like, Mm -hmm. I just I just don't think it worked. Cause like no matter matter as much like when I realized that I had to pay for the groceries, the mortgage, and all the bills and stuff, I stopped caring about the opinion. I, I had to do it for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, well, so so like the thing about Kanye, I want to get into this. I'm glad you brought this up because no one's really gone here. My friend Joe and I on my old podcast, someone's wrong on the internet. We had a long article, sorry, a long episode. Who had gotten canceled at that point? I think it, we talked about, I think it was the first time the R.R. Kelly stuff really was popping off back then. And it was someone else. It was like a two, a two pronged might've also been during the early me too times, but we, we had this conversation because we were very honest with each other. We said, look, we, we went to college together in senior year. There were a number of very popular R. Kelly songs. I want to say, buy me a drink. Um, Oh God, Ho- is he on Hotel? Hotel. I mean, like it was a soundtrack to senior year. And we were mm-hmm. like, oh, we're going to have to revise all of our playlists, all of our college nostalgia playlists. Ignition, obviously, because it it's nonstop R. Kelly. And what are we going to do with all of these, these memories that we have that are now associated with this man? Right. And, you know, are we, do we feel the same way about, let's say someone like, I mean, depending on how you feel about the truth of whatever allegations, Michael Jackson. You know, I, I'll tell you right here, right now. I listen to Michael Jackson, <laughs> like, and, and part of my feeling is also that, like, especially there's a lot of Jackson Five that gets played in my in my 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 mom was like, my mom was going to Michael Jackson concerts when she was like eight years old and he was ten. Like, the Jackson Five runs deep in the family. It's like he never he didn't hurt anybody when he was eight. You know, so like, is that a justification? Is that an excuse? If the music was recorded before they did the bad thing, allegedly bad thing, like, is that, is that, is that okay? 
is it is it one thing to listen to it in the privacy of your house and another thing to like blast it out at a party or some other public event where it seems like you are endorsing the person as opposed to having a private nostalgic experience i don't know what do you think right i mean like i ain't, I ain't gonna lie like every now and then like i just gotta hear trapped in the closet like it's just <laughs> a telling or trapped in the closet they just do something for me like it, it's just like the first six chapters i don't need all 12 <laughs> oh, just the first two it's oh, something about it. i just love the storytelling of it so, I mean, I listen to, I put my earbuds in so can't nobody else hear because this is between me and the God that I serve. They need to mind their business. <laughs> but, like, as a whole, like, I just I just don't see people getting counseled. Like, a lot of people, this is one of my guilty pleasures. Don't tell nobody. I, I kind of like Candace Owens. I say more. Do. Say it's more. Like, sometimes, like, sometimes she, she run out with it, but sometimes she makes sense. Like when she provide like the articles and stuff that I can go read and like I can go see like what she's saying if I can cross reference and what's and stuff. Like sometimes she makes sense, and then there are other times where it's like you've been like a conservative hack right now. Like mm-hmm. just just give your own talking points. Like I don't want to hear like I don't want to hear you peddling and like recycled stuff. Like so sometimes she makes sense and I was like I can kinda get with it. Like when people were saying that she uh that she possibly might run for president, I was hearing this like a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, that'd be interesting. I'm on YouTube and has a new set and yeah. lighting and, and it I gotta say it looks really good. And it I'm does. trying to figure out how to copy it. <laughs> <laughs> and um so I've been I've been watching her videos to try to like like send them around to people who can help me like fix my lighting and situation and stuff. And uh, I've noticed, like, most of the time, she talks about stuff here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go here now and, like, give an ex- some examples of, of the subjects that she touches on. She talks a lot about, like, family values stuff, Whoa. like, how women should have integrity, like, you know, stuff that isn't really square on political, but all of this, this culture war stuff. So she's got a video about her story of giving birth in the hospital and, you know, why how she wasn't like supported in that process um of course it's not what we would say right like it was expensive your insurance is crazy they kick you out quickly they don't give you maternal health follow-ups like she has her own issues you know there's a video here about um the normalization of incest porn and why that's a problem now who's gonna like who's gonna go to bat for no 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 incest porn is fine i mean very few people would kind of stick their head up for that one but (laughs) But it's not something that I would ever care about or like fault someone over. It's like, whatever, it's a kink. It's fine. Like I, you know, but like, it's, it's very wisely chosen. It's stuff that like, I think big majorities of Americans would say, yeah, I'm not down with that, you know, but it, but it's not like actual politics and it's almost bait for, for, for a liberal or leftist to jump in and say, oh no, no, no. Like you're kink shaming, but now you're the crazy person who defended incest porn. You know, right. like you, you can tell what she's doing. She has what she's really into, like criticizing the Kardashians and other Hollywood women who she says have lived their lives badly, irresponsibly, and now are kind of looking for public sympathy in a way that she finds to be narcissistic. She really is in on Kim Kardashian. She had one about um, that little blonde girl from Remember the Titans who grew up and became the cheerleader on uh, Heroes, uh, Hyde and Pinatere. Yeah. 
You know, she, it's stuff like that. And you can see how it could have a broad appeal because she's a modest, attractive woman who's just talking about how culture has gone too easy. Where's your bottle of wine at? Because I know you're drinking. Yeah. She's like, I try not to think about it. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like having kids. I was like, no one talks about those issues. Just like yeah. um, the um, the whole midterm thing is coming up. I Honestly, I might be voting Republican for the first time in my life. And I'm like a true independent. But ain't mm-hmm. nobody, like the only person I'm voting for is our Lieutenant Governor. I forgot who he is. Whereabouts he are saying, you? Uh, Georgia. Okay. But he was talking about uh, getting rid of state income taxes. Anybody trying to add some more money to my paycheck is all right with me. Okay. Stacey Abrams ain't talking about nothing. So now, now, Wraith, I let's let's. This is fascinating. This is you. This is this is real politics right here. You, sir, are one of the infamous Georgia black male voters who is not planning to vote for Stacey Abrams. Let's talk about it. I am. I just want to be really clear that I am not right now about to try to convince you to do anything at all. I just want to know how you're feeling. Bree, come on now. I would not disrespect you like that. Okay, I keep up with you on social media. I know you don't try to sheep hurt people into the Democratic Party. Goodness. Well, tell me, tell me what is, what what's the messaging been like right now around Stacey Abrams in the state? Like, how does she come off to you in the state? So, like, I I see her do stuff that's like. Um, almost like pandering and it's like she's pandering to black people like she ain't black and that's what bothers me like you want to go on uh some little skype interview thing with Ciara and monica and that's cute but like we did that with obama like everybody kind of slid behind obama because why beyonce mariah carey rick ross fat joe you name it everybody was behind obama yes we can Yes, Mm. we can. So what? What the hell did we get exactly? Not a damn thing. Mm. Because the jobs got shipped overseas, the banks got bailed out, and the homeowners got told, fuck you, Mm y'all figure it out on your own. Mm -hmm. So it's like her doing that. It's like, okay. But, you know, Monica and Sierra's in a different tax bracket than me. So you're not Mm going to ask the questions that I'm concerned about. Like, what Mm -hmm. are you going to do about rent control? Mm -hmm. Granted, I don't pay rent. I pay a mortgage. Mm-hmm. So that's not really bothering me. But when I see apartments anywhere, a one bedroom, $1,500, two bedroom, $1,800 a month, but you have no interest in raising the state minimum wage. You have no interest in doing rent control. You have no interest in restoring the Hope Scholarship where people, where people basically got a free ride to go to mm-hmm. college. All mm-hmm. only thing you're saying is Democrat good, Republican bad. I don't mm-hmm. want to hear that. I want to hear about how you're going to change my material conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I I just tried to Google what Stacey Abrams' minimum wage stance is. I'm I'm sure I guess just on a basic Democrat level, she says she wants to. Oh, here it is. She wants to. You know, Democrats obviously technically have on their platform that they want it to be fifteen dollars an hour, but we all see how hard they're willing to fight for that. So that's neither here nor there. Um, she wants. I see an article, some articles about how she wants to raise minimum teachers' pay to fifty thousand dollars, which is bleak if it's not already there bernie wanted to raise it nationally to sixty thousand dollars but i i wonder i wonder what difference it would make to you like is it that you think that she isn't more likely to vote um or to to advocate for various policies than brian kemp or do you think it's like even if you think on paper 
she does support the things or at least supports more of the things that you want than Kemp does. You're frustrated that she's not running on those things and isn't willing to like call out the establishment in the way that would feel like you had more confidence in her. I is it like just you, the messaging or is it like, does it matter to you at all? If, if I were to find like, Oh yeah, I actually actually does support living away, uh, raising the state minimum wage. Like, I just feel like she's a shapeshifter, just like Kamala Harris. She's going to say whatever she needs mm-hmm. to do to get into office. Like when mm-hmm. she ran, when she tried to run for governor a couple years ago, mm-hmm. she, uh, she didn't have a stance on raising the minimum wage. And I think mm-hmm. prior to that, when the Hope Scholarship was like, I think you had to have like a 2.5 and you would get like a free ride. Mm-hmm. Zed mm-hmm. Jelani talked about that a lot. He told me, he's from Georgia and we were working at the Intercept together when she was running the last time. And he really hit me to all that stuff that had been going on there. A lot right. of people are mad at her over that. Right, because like, I mean, y'all, Democrat, well, not just Democrats, Republicans too, pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Education is the way to go. And then they had a way to some way get a free education in the state college system. And now y'all don't strip that away. It went from being like a 2.5 to a 3 point something. And then the, the wages are not going up, but yet food is going up. Housing is going up. Like, I feel bad for people out here. Yeah. So, okay. So I just news today. So he's like, he's voted for like a lot of spending bills for money to go elsewhere, but that has done nothing for not for Georgians or the American people that I've seen. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what's the point in vote for you? You don't stand for Medicare for all COVID and, and how uh monkeypox is still raging through uh Georgia. Like you don't, you're not standing for student debt cancellation. I've heard nothing about the legalization of marijuana. Like these are things that I'm concerned Mm -hmm. about. And if you're not concerned about it, me as a true diehard progressive, I'll stay my ass at home. Mm -hmm. That is, that is so fascinating. I mean, I can't tell you are saying what I believe to be true. And so obviously I'm feeling very validated by it, but I don't, (laughs) we're just in the same political community here. So we're of, of the same mind or how much, a lot of folks are, are feeling the way that you're feeling. Like, do you think, it, do you think if, if Raphael Warnock came out and was like, look, I understand, like, I completely agree with you that it's BS that I've voted, we've been voting to, voting to fund like $80 billion to go to Ukraine and we can't talk about the extreme poverty that exists here, in particular in the southeast part of this country. country. Right. And we got to do something for the people who live in this state. And so I pledge that I'm going to do whatever and he can say whatever legislation and, and, you know, whatever, whatever it is and call out the democratic party for not fighting harder 15, 15 and all of that. Do would that make a difference to you? It depends on how hard he called them out. Mm-hmm. Like if he going to name names, then cool. But if you're going to give me like some little softball messaging, something mm-hmm. that I probably see on an ad interfering with the YouTube videos I'm watching, <laughs> I ain't trying to hear that. <laughs> Mm, and and Stacey Abrams, like, same same question, basically. I just feel like Stacey Abrams is a lost cause. Like, she leaned too hard into identity politics. And it's sad because she might have would have had some real promise. I agree. I think that she is very smart and, c- and could have been any- anything she put her mind to. And the second I saw her come out, I mean, I already had my issues with her. I think my first full-length article for The Intercept or maybe my second article was about her and that first raise and how disappointing, like, how much talent I thought that she had. But, like, you know, and how disappointed I've been since. But, um... I I feel like the second I saw her cape for Bloomberg, oh god, and, and come out in the middle of all of that, like I, that was it for me. That like I, it was really it was 
and when you saw her like alive on air, realize that Kamala Harris was going to get the VP spot after completely throwing her integrity over the bus for mm. Michael Bloomberg of all people, like I I couldn't do it. So I I agree with you. I guess the only the only last thing I, I would want to ask you is what you say to people who, okay, say say governor is an isolated thing, whatever governor is just the governor is just one race. Uh-huh. The Senate. What do you say to people who say like, well, no matter how you feel about Warnock. At the end of the day, don't you feel an investment in keeping the Senate? Because whatever progressives accomplish, it's going to be more easily accomplished if at least we still have the Senate. We've had the Senate for the past two years. And what is what what is it that we as progressives have gotten for having the Senate? I hear that argument. But here, what about this argument? I, like, okay. I, I completely agree with that. What about this argument? Think of all the things Republicans could hypothetically pass if we don't have congress like what i don't know i don't know they're parts of the republican party want to have a ban on abortion a federal abortion ban for instance Mm. selfishly that don't impact me that i know that sound bad but i'm just saying like I'm, i'm very concerned about my money and like wages and jobs and stuff like like I'm more concerned about that than cultural issues. I didn't have a problem with uh a problem with it because it was settled law, but I didn't really have an issue with the Supreme Court kicking abortion back to the states. If you don't like how your state votes, get your ass activated, get out there and start building a community and vote these people out. Don't represent you. Ruth, is there any contradiction to that between that and your kind of indifference to Stacey Abrams, who would be the person who would prevent their Georgia from enacting a federal ban on, you know, sorry, a a state ban on abortion as compared, as opposed to Kemp. I mean, there's like people get, you're like saying people mobilize in your state and all that, but like you're kind of a testament to how hard it is to mobilize people in your state, even if they agree with you because people have different priorities and there's not this sense of like, mutualistic solidaristic okay like you'll vote for my thing i'll vote for your thing we're part of a community and we got to hold it down people are and i'm not i'm not like saying that you're wrong for this but people are really frustrated with the status quo for various reasons and so you know they don't feel like they can bullet and just do the whole vote blue no matter who but like i, I hear I, it like I, I hope you don't think that that's not what i'm saying i'm just i'm struggling with this because i've never been in your position because i live in blue states so I do all the protest voting in the world, right? I, I'm, I'm just trying to, because I, I really don't know what I would do in, in your position. I mean, honestly, I just don't like whether it's, whether if the country is ran by Democrats or Republicans, I still end up getting shitted on. So I really don't see a major difference, honestly. I might say, I might say personally, I, I, even as like a YouTuber, as like a left commentator, I think it's it's been useful for me like this last two years where that the margins in the house were so narrow that it really exposed the squad that could, that would not have happened if we didn't have the Senate in the house and also have those narrow margins, right? Like if, if the Democrats are actually out of power, then it's harder for us to prove that they didn't really want to do more. And that's how we, we believed in the squad for two years because we weren't in power. Trump was president. So everybody seemed really shiny and new and good until 2020 when shit hit the fan because suddenly they had power and they weren't using it. So I think selfishly on some level, I do, I guess, hope, like, I think it's been very useful for this part of the left to grow this year 
because we, we can prove our point. And I kind of, I do hope, like the ideal situation I think for us politically going forward is to maintain the House and Senate, but also not for, for the Democrats to, have, to not have one big. Because as long as the Democrats don't win big in the House, and it's, the, it's still in the situation where the six or seven or eight squad members or what have you have ultimate control on what the agenda of that chamber is. So I think that while I'm like, whatever, do whatever you're going to do for the governor, I might say, I might go ahead and I, I would probably go ahead and just vote for Warnock. No, I'm saying what I would do. <laughs> what I would do, in all honesty, I would probably, I would, I would feel, I would feel compelled, rightly or wrongly, to vote for Warnock. Now, what I would really like to see is for people to get together and say, "I will vote for you on these conditions," and actually use your opportunity in that state and the closest to really leverage something important out of that, which is what like Ice Cube and them were trying to do back in 2020, and everyone shat on them for it, yeah. but like. Georgia voters have been put through the ringer. Georgia voters were hustled hard in 2020. They came through and they actually delivered the the Congress. Then Joe Biden turned around and said, "Never mind, you're not getting those two thousand dollar checks." Yeah, what am I? Ain't we missing six? What we missing? Yeah, Fourteen hundred dollars. A hundred percent. Checks are still owed. Tuition was supposed to be canceled. You have flagship HBCUs in in Georgia, and Joseph Robinette Biden walked out here and said, I'm canceling all student debt for all HBCU graduates. And I'm not going to forget it. Put it on my gravestone. Brianna Gray, 1985 to who knows when, lays here and wants you to remember that Joseph Robinette Biden promised to cancel all HBCU, HBCU student debt and declined to do so. Right. Of our Lord. Was another issue I was having. Because <laughs> I said every time I log in my Great Lakes and I see I still owe thirty thousand dollars. I don't Oof. know about this Democratic vote thing. Right. Because you had right. two years of council student debt, and you dragged right. your foot uh, uh, as hard as you possibly could. Right. So yeah, like it, it's difficult. Like I, I think that we should be using the votes as leverage, but there's just no organized force to do that. Like who, who is going to go? What I want to see, I want to see killer Mike. We should try to get killer Mike back on the podcast. I want to see killer Mike running around or what, whoever it is. It doesn't have to be a celebrity, but I don't even know who, who like who's big in Georgia, you. who do people like and respect William Barber, whatever me, please. You. Nobody. There's all of 25 people in the state of Georgia who know who I am. And I'm related to half of them. We can change all of this. <laughs> it's you. Okay. You're the only person. That you, 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 is you, Brie. Wait, well, look, the, I don't know that we're going to be able to change. <laughs> we're not going to be able to change the situation in Georgia probably in the next month. But that's what it seems obvious to me needs to be done. People, people, all the people, all those voting rights organizations, they should have just handed up those votes to Biden. They should have put their heads together. Latasha Brown, uh, yeah, Latasha Brown and of Herschel Walker being dragged by his own son on the Internet. Oh, for being God. a deadbeat, abusive dad, and he's still only up three points. Come on now, what those? If, if those voting rights people actually wanted a good outcome, they would be t being honest with the Democratic Party about how I can't whip these votes for you unless you actually give something back to the people and actually be fighting for their voters to get more instead of fighting for their voters to just help resuscitate a dying Democratic Party. Right, like he got to help us help him. Like, dude, this dude is literally getting drugged. He done allegedly paid for abortions, pulled the gun on the chick, 
absentee father and he's supposed to be the family value man and you only up by three points like you got to help us help you stand your ass down there in kroger and swipe your debit card that don't ever decline and pay for some people's groceries or something. like damn yeah. buy the vote you buy everything else i mean then republicans will be uh, accusing democrats of having bought votes by like doing good policy democrats might as well just like lean in yes we want right. you to vote for us so we're canceling your student debt yes we want you to vote for us so here's the remainder of the two thousand dollar check that i reneged on yes 100 percent. line up free food stamps <laughs> for everybody yeah 100 percent. that's called governing it's it's called doing your job politicians right, well, you know, but you know what anyway we, yeah go ahead for too long. i was gonna say Wraith. i think i went like full 30 minutes with you it gets i'm doing worse and worse <laughs> as i go along i really apologize guys i'm gonna get it together here we go i'm really about to do speed round because oh, we're over are we at two hours yet Keep the faith, my friend. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for sharing so much of what's going on down south. Take it easy. Take it easy. All right, Sly. What's on your mind, my friend? Dad, you know what's crazy? Is that when you talking about speed run, every single conversation, I know it's been long, but everyone has been good. And I'm early. It's good to start <laughs> early because, again, that's going to make up some of the difference right there. Um, <laughs> So then I'm like, yeah, so let me recap real quick. First, you know, okay, mm -hmm. Kanye needs his teddy bear. That's one Kanye. <laughs> teddy bear. Uh, AOC is using deaf people to act deaf to the calls of criticism about Ooh, Ukraine. I see what you did there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? mm -hmm. Co-host, you see what I did? So, <laughs> and then, and okay, and then uh, we got Stacey Abrams, uh, Hot sauce in a purse, pandering to the blacks. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, oh, L.A., L.A. City Council. I don't know if you heard about that. Oh, yeah, but, but in a racist way. <laughs> yeah, 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 just a tinge, just a tinge of racism and colorism and just everything, you know, Um, and the crazy. So there's a lot of like multiple layers to it. So just to recap in, in terms of just in case anybody on the call mm -hmm. hasn't heard what's going on. So in LA, we got a city council. For whatever reason, we have like three, some, three million, four million people that live in the city. We only have 15 seats on the city council. Um, but our president, Nori Martinez, um, and two other council members, Kevin DeLeon um, and Gil Cedillo, who actually just lost to an abolitionist, a Latina mm -hmm. abolitionist organizer, um, and then the head of the LA County Fed, uh, uh, federation that's like with labor and everything mm -hmm. um and that's where you know i think we talked about like there's a lot of uh what's the word mishigash is that the mm -hmm. word you use in mishigash yeah. with like labor and thinking now uh, can you trust them and everything like that so they were all caught on a call that was actually from last year um and they were talking about redistricting and a whole bunch of other stuff so these are all democrats by the way so when people talk about gerrymandering and they try to make it just a republican thing mm -hmm. democrats be redistricting the hell out of stuff too mm -hmm. and in this instance they were talking about how they can uh gerrymander districts to extend their own political careers they claim they were doing it as well to hold on to uh and build up latino representation and power within la while at the same time on the call talking about how can we break up renters 
from being in the same district, even though most of the renters are Latino, yet they're claiming that they're trying to build up the representation on it. Mm. That didn't even get a lot of the, the shine because mm -hmm. this is why it didn't get a lot of the shine. Because there's another council member, Mike Bonin, who is white, gay, a lot of identity stuff here, white, gay, and then he has a black son. Mm -hmm. And he called, bro, uh, she called the little kid, two-year-old. She called him a monkey. Mm-hmm. And then she went off and she said that the Gascon, we have a, uh, a progressive-leaning DA out here, George Gascon. She said, F that guy. He's with the blacks. Mm -hmm. So went at his head. And then obviously, you know, again, there's some, you know, uh, some racial stuff with, you know, the black and brown community that she's stoking right there. Mm -hmm. And then on top, what, on top of it, what else did she do? What else? Did, it's so much stuff that they said on the call. That's mm -hmm. a lot right there. That's a lot right there as it is. That was that's a lot to unpack right there. So just chew on all that. Um, it, it did feel like the the kind of explicitly racial stuff, the calling the kid the monkey and the you're with the black stuff, was so kind of remarkable. Like it was it was just so kind of you know shocking. It sucked up all of the energy from having a conversation about the other stuff on the call, which has more impact on people's lives, not to like minimize, right. you know, the racism, but like. Something along those lines called them ugly. Yeah. She like, I think the, the mayor said something like she hit everything, every Yahtzee card, every little point that you could hit. <laughs> she touched everybody. And then she called, there's another gay uh, council member. He's about to get taken out too. Cause just cause he sucks. He's like, not because he's gay, obviously, but mm -hmm. um, let me not Kanye myself into this situation. <laughs> not, not, not let me not, Kanye let me not go DEF CON on the, the community. The <laughs> I want to go DEF CON on anybody. It's, it's not because of that. He just, he's just, you know, anti, anti poverty, anti, like, he just sucks. He's not a good, anti homeless. He's not a good guy. Mm -hmm. um, but she, she called him a diva. People didn't like that either, um, that she called him a diva. Um, mm -hmm. But the thing is, and this is the thing, and this is where I hope people can start making a connection with stuff like this. Now, people are upset because they heard all this on a recording, right? And obviously, like, when you hear something like that, it's very jarring. It's going to get your attention, right? But if mm -hmm. you look at the policies that these folks have been pushing, the policies are anti-Black. The policies mm -hmm. are anti-poor. You know, mm -hmm. like, and you can go down the list so it matches up. You know, we have this... The law, a law that she actually pushed, it was 4118, where basically um, in districts within the city, council members can designate areas where homeless people just, they literally cannot exist in these areas, right? Without not offering any solutions of like, oh, here, we'll put you here. Literally, they're moving them and they do. What's going on in L.A.? I'm telling like, you. Liberals in L.A. like say the craziest stuff about homeless populations that I've ever heard. Nowhere else in the country. Really? I, I don't know what's going on out there, but everyone seems upset, like obsessed and like very. It, feel, it feels like like there's a more permission to say negative things about the homeless population for people who live in LA than other parts of the country. Like you guys feel collectively overwhelmed or something, and like the real people's real sentiments are just coming out of their mouth. Mm, yeah, no, LA, LA, honestly, it's kind of it's like kind of like the Hunger Games, yeah. like real dystopian. Um, you know what's funny? I'm gonna ask you this, and <laughs> it's okay if you do. I just want to know. 
because my friend, she just put me on to this. I didn't know about this place before. But, okay, are you familiar with Soho House? Yes. <laughs> it was it was real big in New I mean, it's everywhere, but <laughs> after after I graduated, I want to say ahead. maybe, is it college or law school? No, I was never a member or anything like that. Don't get it. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it was, it was like, it was like a thing. Like, everyone wanted to, to go. One of my friend's friends was a member. One of the friends for okay, remove yeah, flight. Yeah, a girl remove I went flight. to law okay. school with had a friend from high school who lived in the city, and she was in fashion. She okay. is still in fashion. I follow her on Instagram still. And she had a membership at the Soho House. Marble, like, you know, the trends that are all now in every restaurant in New York looks the same. No, back then, like, to go to the Soho House felt, like, really chic, really nice interior design. Like, it felt like you were, like, the in crowd. There was an episode of Sex in the City where they were all trying to get into the Soho house. And oh, so that was on everybody's mind. Yeah, they they stole someone's card or someone left their, their membership card in a bathroom. <laughs> and so they all snuck up onto the pool. And it was a whole episode about how hard it is to find a pool in New York City on a hot day. Okay, so that was the background. So I remember we went once with this girl. And it was crowded and expensive, like mm-hmm. just to order a drink. And I remember thinking, I don't understand why we are all, <laughs> all here right now. But yeah, no, that's all to say that yes, I'm familiar oh, with the Soho House. Okay, yeah, no, I, I, I went there. A friend of mine, once removed, uh, has a, <laughs> she has a membership there. Okay, I, I, see, I don't need to, you know, preface it with distance. Say, oh yeah, my sister's cousin, baby mama, she got the Soho thing. I never had one. But no, but my homegirl, she got one. And then um, I went there. I guess now she said it's like creatives or the people. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because she used to be in finance or something back on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And she was telling me that it was big there. Now she live out here. And then, you know, so it's like creatives now. And I went there. You know, I, I never, I don't, those aren't my spaces. Mm. So I, I go in there and I'm just like, what? Like, it really, I really felt like Hunger Game type vibe. Like, where, you know, in the district where all the rich people lived in the Hunger Games and stuff. <laughs> that's what it felt like. But then if you go outside, you're going to see tents. You're going to mm-hmm. see. Like it, it just looked like it's two different Americas. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's that's the thing I left thinking that in terms of you know two different Americas. But it's not a surprise. Again, it's not a surprise when you go back to Nuri and you go back to the policies that she's pushing forward. Like in L.A., the police in L.A. they what they get three billion dollars, right? Mm-hmm. I think like youth development might get like five million. Mm-hmm. compared to you know the three billion they get and they're actually in LA, LAPD now what they're doing is they're providing like I think like twenty four thousand or twenty two thousand four hundred dollars or twenty four thousand dollars in like rent or down payment for, if you come into the police for trying to recruit people in mm-hmm. but, yeah I did a I did a radar today about I don't know if you saw Alec Katsanis did a uh, thread yeah he's great he did he did a thread the other day about uh, this, all these Houston police officers coming in mass to intimidate. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I did my rant about that today and in the process of doing so, I, I was doing a little research about the funding of the police in the city and, and it's 64% of the budget goes to police. It's nasty. I hate it. 64%. It's obviously the biggest chunk of the budget. And then everything else is going combined. underfunded. Like the hospital is going underfunded and they're just like, yo, and then I think they just put into the legislator in Texas, like some bill or something that like you, I think he wrote it in his little thread that you can't defund police anymore. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I included it on the radar. Yeah, it's like there's some like Texas law. You have to, you basically, it has to be put to like a, a vote, like a ballot measure anytime they want to lower police funding. And it, I'm t- it's so, what's the word? I was talking to someone, they said it's so perverse the way that we're going about this thing. And I was just thinking about it. I'm just like, they, they gotta like, you know, they've gotta be some cops or whatever that just maybe they just know like, this ain't adding up. Like, all right, like, you know, you know, people obviously everyone wants to get paid well, but then it gets to a certain point where it's like, even you gotta think this is kinda kinda crazy. Like the the head of homelessness outreach for the, the LA County Sheriff Department, right? Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, homeless the homelessness issue has been this is like the worst it's ever been, right? It's not getting mm-hmm. any better, right? This man's job is to simply to outreach. He don't put anybody in homes. He don't he don't pay your rent or nothing like that. He's just out. He just talk outreaches. I just talk to you. I might remember what you're wearing or something like that and bring it up late. That's what he does. He gets total paying compensation. Just guess. The, the, the outreach guy. How much is he getting paid? Yeah, outreach guy. <sighs> I, I don't want to guess. because Ballpark. Like, okay. You're, it's obviously too much for what he's doing. <laughs> so, one forty, four hundred and, and if you go to Transparent <sighs> California, go to his his recent his most recent salary. He made four hundred and eighty one thousand. You know how many people you could house, or pay put him in a motel for four hundred eighty one thousand dollars. Oh boy, yeah. And, and that's why I'm like, why don't they? You know, because I remember I was listening to um. I think, yeah, I was listening to a Dr. King speech and he was talking about how he was in jail and while he was in jail, he was talking to the cops and then he was asking the cops, how, and this is in the 60s, mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. was asking them how much they get paid and then he was just like, well, shit, y'all, are, y'all should be out here with us marching. You can't, you know, you can't feed your kids or, you know, get them in a good school or anything like that. This was back then, right? They were a lot less militarized back then as well, right? And then now when I look at it, I'm like, that's why they don't they don't say nothing, cause they get paid so damn much. Yeah. Yep. And that's where you trade in that cl- class. And that's why you know people talk about unions and stuff like that. You know they don't acknowledge like a police union is. You know I think I think it ties into that kind of stuff. Um, and it and it goes into like, hey, listen, yeah, most of the time, am I just chilling inside the Seven Eleven parking lot waiting for something to happen? Yeah. But I mean, if you was getting paid four hundred eighty-one thousand dollars to do that, would you give it up? No, no sir. Okay. I, I would. I gotta be honest. I would not. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, okay, that's that's wild. I I really want to do. I was wanting to do an episode, like an LA episode about that. My my people that I, I talked to, to, talk to. I told you who to talk to. Wait a minute. Who did you tell me to talk to about LA? Therese Castle. She actually came out, and she actually just got a podcast with iHeart right now. Wait a minute. I know that port- name. Yeah, you do, because I told you about that name. That's well, so that was ages that ago. That wait, how do you spell Cerise? C E R I S E. She actually came out with a whole series on deputy gangs that's like award winning. Would she be good to talk about this this specific oh, city council oh, yeah. stuff? Oh, yeah, listen, I wouldn't. Yeah, no, I wouldn't steer you. In the oh, way. lol. Her background is um, <laughs> the principal from Abbott Elementary who corrects me up. Yeah, 
and I and she's an organizer. Uh, Brittany, she's an organizer too. I told you you should talk to her. Right, I did. I feel like I did reach out to her, and we were DMing, and then I think I dropped the ball, and like ah. news happened, and we just shit switched subjects. Series, she knows you. Yeah, your friend Sylvester. Thinking about doing what's the concept? <sighs> L.A. Michigas. I don't know. Like, so there's this is this is a really interesting question because. Sorry, I'm, let me just finish this. Okay. California. No, right. let me. I can do this on my own time. No, 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 no. Um, you gonna forget? You gonna forget? I know. You know me. I'm gonna forget. So do um, it now. Okay. But so, uh, in terms of um, sorry. Just focus. You over here trying to do too much. I can't. I'm not a good multitasker. Yeah, no. We'll just. uh, um, I'll tell a joke or something. Martinez. Damn. As soon as I said I'll tell a joke, I blanked on all my dad jokes. I don't even got nothing. Um, Around. Uh, Um, a doctor walk. A guy walks into the doctor's office with a head of lettuce stuck up his bum. He says, "Doctor, am I gonna be okay?" The doctor looks at him gravely, shakes his head, and says, I don't know. This could just be the tip of the iceberg. Iceberg <laughs> <laughs> lettuce. That's my favorite joke. <laughs> that's my clean joke. I've been that's doing that's a joke I tell in mixed crowds. <laughs> I've been doing this one with the kids lately. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's like a classic that's that's a that's that's a dad. I had a dad, I had a dad that to me, and it was like, and I really thought something was on my neck, and it like tripped. I was like, "Wow, you got me!" And so I was just like, <laughs> "I got to get somebody else." So, so, I heard All right, one, y'all got to hear it too. So. Well, my my um my DM is sent. So let let's let's let me say what you were gonna say, and then let me try to move on because I'm doing a terrible job oh, at time management, and I can't yeah. be on here for more than three hours. No, no, no. You were saying about what concept that you was going to do. Oh, yeah. I was saying, I was just saying, like, there was a time when I feel like I had more bandwidth and I had a lot of conceptual episodes. And I was like, well, let me get these guests together because they think about these things differently in an interesting way. And we're going to try to set something up. These days, I feel torn between not having enough time and also feeling like an obligation to just cover news and, like, touch upon the big events of the day. And like what I just said about how the the actual gerrymandering and you know material consequences of the rigging aren't being covered as much as the racism. I would like to have someone fully unpack what the implications of what they were doing in their. You kind of said some things lately, and I'm kind of like, is she putting out a bad signal, or just kind of like sounding the alarm for something? But um, are you going to open up the applications for a co-host or something like, you know, to spread the, you know, the bandwidth or, or is that something that you're thinking about more and more? I've heard you talk about different partnerships and doing different things with some people lately. Is that something that you're actively? No, I it's certainly not with bad faith. Like, like Katie and I were, we had pitched a pilot, you know, to rising for a group show that's like, women of the left show and Mm. she's still trying to figure out if she can get it to happen somewhere else. So there's that. And I, I generally speaking, like I, I need a consistent partner, but I, I need the person to really be willing to go there with me. I don't want a person who's just going to be just as cagey and unwilling to be vulnerable or really talk about hard things as any like random guests with whom I don't already have rapport. And 
it's hard to find. And honestly, like, I'm still on some level chasing the dream that was Swody. Like, I loved having a podcast with my best friend. And mm. I don't know. Like, I need someone who will trust me that us saying our true feelings. Like, I want a podcast where someone is going to show up and be willing to say, I am still going to continue to listen to Kanye. And I don't want to hear anything about it. <laughs> you know, I, I want someone who's willing to say, you know, to show up and say, I don't know, like the stuff that everyone's thinking, but like, I don't, I don't want to be the one that always feels like they have to be the contrarian. <laughs> and, you, and, try like, take that on. you try, you try to get it. Be, you want to put that on someone else for a little bit. Like, let me well, no, it's, but it's, not, it's like, I don't even necessarily believe the country you, you cut out you kind of you said you got to get a like blank and then come oh, to like it like i don't give a fuck attitude when they come to it like could people know that yeah. you care I mean, and they like yeah. and they smell it like like blood in the water type stuff so like they come at you because they know that you care like i think uh but i do okay. care like i don't want to be cavalier about serious stuff like trans rights and you know like this stuff is serious and i don't want to be like i i don't know like i i don't know no, I know that you care, but like, 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 oh, let me, she, she don't, I don't know, for me, as far as I can tell, she don't, it look like she don't care, and she come off like it don't care, and I don't know, I mean, you know, you closer to her, so like, it, she don't let people be rent free, it looks like it anyways, that she don't let people be rent free, so like, even if people say stuff, like, I, people might feel less inclined to say something to her, because they're like, oh, it don't even look like she don't care, obviously, some people still go at her, but it's like different, but when you no, show she's she's in a different community. Like that's the thing. She's in a different online space. Look, it there there's a world. There's a world where I do every show about um things that are like uncontroversial on the left. Cops are bad. <laughs> um uh Medicare for all is good. Um it, Workers are good. Unions are good. And the minimum wage is good. A, a higher one. Um, international solidarity is good. Like there are topics that you can talk about that never, ever get you into trouble and get you embraced by the broader uh, TYT, Jacobin, Minority Report community, and also the broader liberal community. Right? But like that's not what I my beat has ever been. I am not as intellectually interested in that, even though I care very much about those things. I feel like no one needs me just to stand around saying Medicare for all is good to a crowd of people who already know Medicare for all is good. I'm completely bored by that project. This is not a campaign. I'm not going out into the world convincing anybody. I'm just on a podcast with people who only know me because I was on a campaign saying Medicare for all was good, who don't need to be convinced of that. So I can either talk about things that are literally informative like this thing happens or I can offer my critical reasoning skills to try to figure out something that's literally like, very hard. That's hard actually. And I'm interested in figuring out things that are hard actually. And that's on me. Like I'm not blaming anybody for the consequences of that, but I had right. to make peace with the idea that I'm never going to be broadly loved. I'm never going to go viral for like, you know, taking someone down who deserves to be dressed down or whatever. This is not an indictment of anybody else who has a different kind of approach or a different role, but that's not my role. And as a consequence, I'm never going to get those kind of flowers. And I just have to make my peace with that. Yeah, no, I hear you. I'm a, I'm a hop. Cause everybody is like waiting. I think 
Um, but get on TikTok because that'll be fun. <laughs> okay. Right. The day I find some bandwidth, I'll get on TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you, Sled. Take care. Keep the faith. All right, Jonathan, this is the one. You're going to be the person with whom we exercise some discipline. We we can do this. Oh, God. I believe in us. It's about spending, and I use that word very deliberately, your dopamine on seeing yourself represented, but it's kind of faux representation because you have this thing going on where it's like, oh, look, it's a Kamala Harris effect. Oh, look, you're represented on the screen. There's somebody who looks like you, but doesn't it bother you that while that's going on and there's people that would be incited to action but for that happening – Yet the drug war continues. There's no public housing. There's no Medicare for all. There's no student loan forgiveness, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a sort of, it's a creation of a cathartic feeling that sort of gets people to dump their energy into nowhere. And that's Little Mermaid. That's Kamala Harris. And it's rising with Beyond Joy Gray. So I'm going to push, I know I'm playing devil's advocate here and you've gotten a lot of accolades and people want you to stay there, but I worry that the people that want you to stay there are using that as entertainment first and education second okay let me hear it i, I love whereas please can, yeah mm-hmm. go ahead sorry whereas bad faith is less bad mm-hmm. in that regard and colin is even less bad still i hear we got some people you know andrew will teach you how to grow things for a living bidester will teach you how to start a union and other jonathan will get you caught up on like how money is created so we've got some people that have actual knowledge and we have people who are actually turning things into action but even here I got to inject a little bit of pessimism in the way that Zizek does, because he says you have to be a pessimist to be an optimist. What he means by that is you need to embrace the dismal odds you're facing in order to be able to do the right thing that's ever going to get you there. When the dwarves of Erebor barricaded themselves in their mountain against all hope, they were acting in, they were in a way as which their odds were just dismal. If they had been over-optimistic and they're like, oh, yeah, fine, we're just going to sally out, they would have gotten crushed. So in that vein, to be pessimistic about this room, we use this as entertainment too. I worry that a lot of us here are using Brianna Joy Gray to tuck us in at night. But and there's a lot of people here who would be doing stuff but for that feeling, but for that dopamine expenditure. But this is better than bad faith, which is better than rising. In the case, it's never been easier to make. I thought this before Katie got canceled. But her getting cancer makes the case easier. They keep this conversation in what is a safe space for the oligarch. It doesn't matter how witty and, like, and edge and like brilliant and, uh, and fresh your takes are like they keep the conversation in this infinite loop i talked last time about sort of governing to the exception and not the rule and you have you have this circle of issues that you're going to be kited around in. we don't actually need to talk about kanye and i don't want to talk about kanye and i get that you i know you're trying to keep well, this the, episode the light title, and i'm sorry i'm gonna bring the hammer I mean, down no but the title the title to be clear is a riff on the we need to talk about kevin book about the serial killer kid the kid who killed his parents okay well that that part went it's, over my head Okay. Go ahead. But uh, yeah, yeah. But on, but on rising, it's like another way to make the point I made about being in a circle is people who are governing, not governing to the exception. Okay, how, let's say you want to build a boat, and you're like you go into the rudder store, mm-hmm. and you're like, I want the best rudder on the market, and the guy's like, Okay, this one's got the best metal, it's got the best coating, it it it, it sheds off the oxidization of the water. And you're like, Okay, I'll have it. And you go to the sales store, and the same sort of thing happens: bow sprit, keel, whatever. And then you go find that your pieces don't fit together. You're like, your sail's too long for the boom. There's no place to attach it. Your keel's too light, so the, your water line's too high, and your rudder doesn't even touch the water. So, like, what makes any piece the best is how it fits with all the other pieces. And you, you go around on rising, and you talk about these issues in a vacuum. And you're like, what is the most moral thing we can do in this situation? And it's always this sort of... It's, it's sort of reasoning that doesn't involve how anything connects with anything else. 
and the, sh the, the blueprint for what the entire ship looks like. You know, when the last show we did, there was somebody named Nessa who brought up Giannis Varoufakis. And I did a little cheer in my heart, of course, because I'm like, yeah, Giannis. But then she immediately hard turned and talked about that's why you need to stay on Rising. But no, that's why you need to leave your Rising. The things that he talks about are in no danger, no danger of being treated on Rising, I say. They're in marginally more danger of being treated on Beth Faith and still more of being treated right here in this room. But well, what do you mean treated? You mean don't you think, don't think that they would have I mean, him on talked Rising? About. I mean, well, then no, no, absolutely no, have him you on could Rising have a, to talk about whatever he wanted to talk about. The, yeah, the, I would, and I would hope part so. Of the that argument great, that I, I found like to be just as a space. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I think the part of the argument. I mean, part of, one of the things that was weighing on me the most in the decision was this sheer ability to be able to have, like, the p people from RBN on Rising and to have some control, a lot of control, frankly, over guests that come on the show. And, you know, the, the reason that Giannis Varoufakis isn't on the show, it's because no one's reached out to Giannis Varoufakis to have him on the show. He's a bit of a hard get. He's in hot demand. But I'm sure that he would do it. That's not really a question. I know Zizek I mean, would sure that they would the have him. Because he... he he got us another book out. You know how that goes. Like, so if you asked him back, he would definitely come <laughs> on. Yeah. I mean, all these people will come up. I don't know. Like it's, what do you, what do you guys, the, I mean, like, well, just, let me, let me let you finish your point about rising. Rising is the space in which like even, even RBN, I mean, it's like they call themselves dialectical Marxists, but they're the most, and I know you don't like the word litmus test being thrown at the left, but they have more litmus tests than anybody else. And that thing about like building a ship one piece at a time, I think they're yeah. guilty of that. You know, like I don't see the glue that holds everything together. Like dropping the word Marx or Marxist once a show doesn't mean you have theory. You know what I mean? Like I don't see it. I don't see the blueprint for what the ship is supposed to look like out the back gate. I I, I don't even I really mean, I, see. I, uh, I, I do think I do think there's like a difference between a a litmus test in terms of whether or not maybe you want to vote for someone or whether you subscribe to them kind of like whole cloth and this other kind of litmus test that keep coming up about whether or not you find someone to be like at all useful to you or whether or not they should be condemned or dare I said kind of canceled in a particular space that that's what I find to well, be not point, so though. constructive like okay when I, I made the point like, on RBN about so good mm -hmm. Well, just that it, it's, I think it's BDS. one thing to say I disagree with uh, David Sirota's sheep hurting. And then to also, that that's one thing, a perfectly legitimate criticism that you can make. And then there's a, the other part of it is, well, he's, I'm going to spend like 40 minutes of my time on this podcast just going in about, about how much I hate David Sirota. It's just boring. Like, I don't care. Like, okay. Is this the biggest enemy? Is this what we need yeah. to be spending our bandwidth on? If you think that David Sirota's sheep hurting is truly what's holding back the left, then I, I can see how that would be one, you know, your focus. I happen not to think, even if like I were to agree that it's true, it's like that relevant. And there are a lot of people, look, I, Sam exactly Cedar really point. obviously irritated me over Force the Vote, but like, I... Yeah, I can't hear either. Can you hear me and not her? Is that what's going on? 
Well, since if you can still hear me, I'll just Hello? take this moment. Oh, to make sorry. The point I got kicked out of the app. That, oh, <laughs> but I was while you were gone, I was just making the point that if I go on RBN and say something that Katie and Aaron Mate said, which there's a non-zero number of times in which BDS causes butter to be more expensive for people who can't afford butter. I got fucking crucified by them. Like it is not acceptable to disagree with them. You know what I mean? That's a litmus test. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, when I was talking earlier about being at the, no, I'm here. When I, when I was talking earlier about being at the book thing and feeling like everyone was kind of mad at me all the time, that's how I kind of feel. It's like, it does start to feel like, I mean, I don't exaggerate. Nobody there was mad at me. I, I, this is my own internal issue, but it does start to feel like, like it's not a, it's just, I don't want to sound like a cancel culture person, but it does feel like you're not allowed to just have difference of, of opinion with everybody. Everyone there, like I shouldn't do it. I go into spaces where people are like wanting to like say all the reasons they don't like Glenn Greenwald. I I understand the criticisms of Glenn Greenwald. Like I I get it. We had him and Nathan on the show and they debated it. And I think they both made good points. I don't want to have to be like justifying every relationship everywhere I go. Every like I, I enjoy talking to Aaron Mate. I enjoy talking to Vinay Prasad. I enjoy talking to, um, Seltzer in uh, Feldman. I enjoy t- like. I don't. I don't know why everything has to be like. We have to like count up all the chips at the end of every interaction, and like put it on a scale. And either you get to heaven or you're banished to hell. Like that's how I feel. <laughs> like I can't. You can't even have any flux period of time where you're even t- trying to figure out how you feel about someone. And, and then people don't want to associate with you because you're associated with someone else. The whole thing with Cenk Uger was like. Uh, Jimmy Dore is my associate. You know, your associates, Glenn Greenwald and Aaron Mata, your associates, my yeah. associates, my God. I, I, like every I time I hear to... the word platforming, I kind of throw up a little oh, bit. Oh, Lord. Uh, you, I, if, I, if I ever talked to Joe Biden, people would accuse me of platforming the president of the United States of America. Every single one of these people have this bigger platform than me. It's hilarious. The only people I actually have platformed, like legitimately, I would argue, are people like RBN, having them on Rising. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I, I just, I don't know, of the three things that you're doing, if you do RBN, Rising, and Call In, I think Rising is the one that's kept in the safe space to the oligarch. When you start to strike a chord that's really near to their heart, like Palestine or monetary sovereignty, they're just going to, they're going to find a way to make it irrelevant. They're going to find a way to shut you down. They're going to find a way to fold the opinions of the people who listen to that show into their calculations all your outrage has been ways and measured and folded into the calculations and they control who hears it they control what where it is on their feed you know like that information i don't know if the call it audience is and i quote parasocial and if i took your meaning at the time that's not entirely a good thing because that moment was the para was the uh, operative word there and that there's sort of a, a thing we do to create cathartic feelings. And here's a backhanded compliment to the, the call-in audience. You're all one in a thousand. Shit, you're one in 10,000 to be here and thinking like this. But that's why this room can create a false sense of catharsis because you think that there are people like you everywhere. But if you really are one in 10,000, like you, you're, you're going around thinking that when it's not true. You know what I mean? Like th- these people are all of the people that are like this. They're all right here. That's not quite true, but relative to you can get this sense that you're, the town that you're in is full of people who think like this and are this like open and they engage in the conversations. And, but but do they? So we have the Kamala Harris effect right now. Some of us. 
Me too. I'm guilty as guilty anybody. Nobody's high roading anybody else because like I, we all have, we all consume things that have slaves at the end of supply line. And I fill my gas tank with like the blood of Yemenese children. I do that. So nobody's high roading anybody else. I'm as guilty as sin of, of using this to tuck me in at night. It's the opposite of preaching to acquire. It's in some ways, it's the thing for sure I enjoy doing the least, but the thing that I think feel like is the most valuable because it does at the end of the day, expand the real reach in a way that I don't feel like these shows, despite me enjoying them, really does. In I hope that you're way. right about that. You know, I, there's there's no way to say it, but I'll, I'll tell you this. There was a nothing show called Rising, and then they hit upon Crystal and Sagar, who did something really incredible with it, and grew it to a huge number, and now they are bonafide big hitters with a million subscribers on their own and a huge audience in reach. And, you know, people have their criticisms or whatever. We all heard Narby's criticisms of, of Crystal and the like. But at the end of the day, she covers a lot of labor issues. She has talked about how proud she is of getting her audience to, like, care about labor issues in a way that they didn't at first and be invested in all of these um, union struggles at Starbucks and Amazon and whatnot all over the country. And it, that feels... For someone who lives in the internet and who's living in a pandemic and who, all of these things, it does feel useful in a way that I, I'm like being in the kind of bread tube circuit doesn't always feel. And that feels more like entertainment. It's funny, like bad faith. If I were to rank it, bad faith feels most like entertainment. It's a show that I put on twice a week and I'm looking for guests that are not going to cost you but a snooze. And because of the nature of Patreon, I'm trying to think, oh, God. Like the numbers are down. Like who, what, who can I interview that's going to make people want to just sign up for this again? This feels least like entertainment because it's like completely free. And, you know, it's unbound in these ways. And it's really dictated by what you guys want to hear and what you guys say. And so then rising is like, this this, this is, what, but, what, in what way? About Colin, I think we are agreeing that this one's at least like entertainment. But I think we're t I'm yeah. talking about two different things. Rising may be the best for sort of casting a wide net and getting the people who would never think differently to think a little bit differently. But Rising and Colin for be are better for creating a, a blueprint for what the entire ship looks like. Right. But like I can do all of those. I have all of those things. I'm on bad faith. So it's like yeah, built yeah. in. But I, I sometimes I would like. If, if if rising were my full time job, let me tell you, they they put together these, you know, um, a soft list of topics we're going to talk about the next day, and then they email like a real hard list of what we're going to talk about about around six a.m. I promise you, I'm not up at six a.m. reading that. I'm not. And the night before, I'm usually panic writing a radar and also not looking at it, and then collapsing into bed after I have written the radar. So I'm not prepared anywhere near in the way I would like to be prepared if I were actually designing a new show that I was like a, a salaried employee of and really invested in. If it were like my show, if I started a new show, I would be writing my own copy for the, the um, teleprompter reads in my own voice. Sometimes I read the things and I'm like, oh my God, what are they just, what are they, what is the valence of what they're having me say? This is not at all even my politics. I'm trying to edit it on the go and stumbling over my words. I obviously would try to weigh in harder with topic choices and advocate more for the things that I think that would really push the, push the discourse in a more constructive direction. 
I would be more informed on the topics at hand and do more than just like read the article that we're discussing. I would weigh in more and think in advance about the kind of guests we could have on that would broaden the topic area. And every day I wake up and I feel like, well, I, I didn't do all of that. And I, I feel bad. Like I'm not doing my best. And as a consequence, I'm still exhausted and I'm not also doing my best on bad faith either. I could and just that, be being selfish because I watch bad faith. And I feel like bad faith advances my understanding because of how smart the people you have on there can be. Whereas when I watch Rising, I'm like, oh, she's just catching all the normals up to what is, should be obvious. Yeah, but the normals need to be caught up, my friend. You're right. I'm being selfish. I'm being selfish. I, I'm wrong. Shit. Fuck it. I'm wrong. You're right. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I don't think that you're necessarily wrong. I, I, I have been through this and I continue to go through this and I don't, I don't know what's right. Like this week, I'll tell you what, being, beginning three hours of sleep the other night, um, cause there was just literally not enough hours in the day made me think, why the fuck was I even contemplating staying on this show? This is making my life miserable. I haven't gone to the gym. I've gone to the gym like 10 times since I got COVID. I was looking at pictures of me from this time last year. You know, you know, at the end of the video episodes where I, I say like, by the way, this is a podcast. You can subscribe at patreon.com. Blah, blah, blah. And it's the clip from when I was in my old apartment this time last year with the bookshelves behind me. And I yet I like so, that ensemble the most. I am in such good shape. Oh, my God. Look at me. Look at my fucking <laughs> cheekbones popping. Out. Like, what the heck? I was so fit. I was running like a maniac that summer. Oh, I looked good. A no, COVID that's, wasn't great for anybody. There's no, there's no space. No, that was last year. That was, I, that was during COVID. That was like after I had gotten oh, back into shape post-COVID. And I well, you still look like um, a queen, Brie. Can we talk about that? Oh, I appreciate that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, oh, no, I'm not kidding Jonathan. that I have one, but no, I don't want to talk about it like that either. <laughs> well, Jonathan, my point is that like there are a lot of there are a lot of ways that um uh the hill has lowered my quality of life. Uh but we'll see how long it is. I'm not like obliged to stay there. I could quit tomorrow if I wanted to. Don't like uh Robbie, maybe I you know, because it's like I'm so dis as I was a libertarian and I'm just so disappointed by him representing that. <laughs> I'm like, come on. Oh, man. interesting. Uh yeah, All that right, might that, be a personal yeah. thing again. I don't know. Well look, now we're at I said that you were gonna be the one I started to keep to twenty uh, to yep, ten minutes. And now we're at twenty one minutes. But again, it's not you, it's me. It's not you, it's yep. me. Uh, so let me push forward. <laughs> I'll try. I appreciate you, Jonathan. Keep the faith, Brianna. Keep the faith. All right. Uh, day. I'm going to have to plug my phone in, I think, so I don't get cut off. So we're going to lose mic quality. Hey, Brie. But otherwise, I think we're going to lose the whole thing. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Listen, I'm enjoying everything that I'm hearing. This has been fun. Good. I'm glad. I don't know if the poor... Oh, good. There's only 11 people left in line. For a second, there was like 22 people and I was feeling really bad about. Argument about is is Brie perfect or is Crystal perfect or is this Marianne and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, we all watch the Justice League, for example, or the Avengers. And it's like, every person has a different superpower. Like, we don't expect Batman to fly. That's not his job. But we, if we need something funded, sure, he got us. And so I wish <laughs> like, because listen, somebody said that, that Batman and Kim Possible are the same power and I cannot been right since but i don't i'm too I, old to know what kim possible's deal was was uh, she also just rich person, essentially a witch white girl that um <laughs> went around doing stuff that anybody else would get in trouble for um but she's a bomb walter white <laughs> no yeah, i guess bomb walter white was poor. yeah but it just frustrates me because i wish that we could see it that way because it would actually like if you don't like aaron mate's take on say 
something random, fine. But he's like, hey, but Aaron's really good at understanding Israel and Palestine, for example. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, let him be used for that. Like, you don't Mm -hmm. have to ostracize him for everything else and slander his name. It's like, y'all, what use does this give us? And that leads me to my question, kind of go with the episode, is like, I listened to this and I listened to like RBN. And I just kept thinking, well, what's the alternative? Because if we don't play in the culture game and the right does and cause causes the U.S. to start regressing or slow down progress, how can we be surprised when we lost the game we didn't play? Like, mm-hmm. I don't expect it to be everyone's gift to do what you do personally, but I also recognize the need for it to exist is undeniable. And I just feel like so many liberals are just like, nope, not going to even engage with this foolishness. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Doesn't everyone else is talking about it. <laughs> everyone. And it's like not even conservatives. It's everyone's talk- like. I kept tripping over my words in the the last COVID episode because I kept trying to characterize, like, the part of the country that has these different feelings about vaccines. And I don't want to call people anti-vaxxers because they're they're not. A lot of – they're all vaxxed. Half of them are vaxxed. Jimmy Dore is vaxxed. You know, Vinay Prasad is vaxxed. It's not about being an anti-vaxxer. But it's about having this kind of skepticism. And I wanted to say conservative, but conservative wasn't right because there's so many people on the left that also have these feelings. And I feel the same way about like this culture war stuff. Like at a certain point, it stops being like conservatives think this. It's like a lot of people agree with Candace Owens when she does a segment about Heidi Klum's photo shoot with her teenage daughter where they're both in underwear and heels and how that's inappropriate. Do I think that that's like a weird thing to focus on? Yeah. Like it's, I don't, I don't like care, but like if you really press me on it, like I get why people think that's a little cringe. It's cringe. Okay. And it's not just conservatives. It's like most people agree that a mother daughter lingerie and heels photo shoot is kind of cringe. And why are we in this position where we're constantly pretending like these conversations aren't happening or that we're like weirdly pulled in to like defend weird cringe fringe stuff platform? I'm like, like it or not, these people exist and like they have influence on a mass of people that maybe because in our day to day life, we're not associating with conservatives or people who think that way for whatever reasons. But to me, it's like it's the best thing you can do with someone like a Candace Owens or a Ben Shapiro, et cetera, is just cut the snake off at the head by addressing it. Like, mm-hmm. by running away from it, you give them validity as if what you're saying is so powerful that we have to be cowardly and run away. But it's like, no, this is actually what we think and believe. And let the people decide. I think that's what makes Crystal and Sagar and Ryan and Emily so effective is that, like, they're not telling you what to do but or how to think. But they're offering you two different ways to see something and then let mm-hmm. you decide. But if all you hear is Candace decide, eventually mm-hmm. it's like... You, I, I have a best friend. In order, I hope he never listens to this. But, like, I have a best friend. And, like, I've watched him kind of go down that alt-right path. And, like, to watch him go from, like, being supporting Bernie and then being mad at Hillary and then that meaning, oh, so I should support Trump. And then now it's, like, when he talks, I'm just, like, this is indistinguishable from all the right, right-wing talking points and the conspiracy theories that everyone might mocks, but I'm like, I know this guy. He's my mm-hmm. best friend, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, that's why I think I relate to you in the sense of like, I'm not just willingly going to give people up because of a few cringe ideas. Like R. Kelly is locked up and they won't let him <laughs> out. Literally <laughs> listening to his music won't do anything. Like yeah. the man is not getting out of under the jail. If you want to <laughs> hear R. Kelly remix that ignition, shake until it's stank. Like I don't get it. That's just my rant for the day because I think what you do is is invaluable and that I hate to say it, but sometimes the best thinkers and thought leaders 
don't get their credit until much, much later. I mean, look at Bernie. He didn't really become a figure until recently. He's 80 something. But I pray that your time does come and that you're still here to smell those flowers because you've influenced my life and I'm sure everybody on the call-in's life tremendously. And I just want to thank you for that because I feel like you get beat up enough. That's really nice of you to say. I, I appreciate it. It, it, especially because blame it on the alcohol was such a banger senior year. It's really hard to get up. <laughs> <laughs> but Brie, okay, I was confused by this because the buy me a drink song is T-Pain. And it's blame T-Pain, on the sorry. Is, oh no, because blame on the alcohol is, is Jamie Foxx. I'm like, what R. Kelly song are no, you it's a No, there's a, no, there was a, wait, no, R. Kelly's in one of those. There's definitely an R. Kelly alcohol song that was really big senior year. Wait a minute. I was like, this could be above me. I'm about to to Google this, and it's going to put me on a list now. (laughs) I'm not already on all the lists. Wait, R. Kelly hits 2007. Okay. Oh, I'm a flirt. It's I'm a flirt. It's I'm a flirt. That's what. I forgot about that one until now, and I'm not giving. That one was actually a bop. I'm sorry. It was a bop. Okay, like, he but, like all due respect. Yeah. I mean, 100% by 2007, he had already committed many federal crimes for which he is very rightly uh, locked up, as you say. But yeah, I'm a flirt. That's the one that I couldn't get my brain around. All those other ones were also on the playlist, though. That's definitely the, <laughs> <laughs> the Jamie Foxx. Like, all of those are also on the 2007 playlist, uh, which I will be putting on private on my Do what's Spotify. best for you. <laughs> Do what's best for you. Because listen, I tell my gay friends, I'm like, if you still eating at the homophobic chicken, actually, I'm, I don't care. I'm in the line at the homophobic chicken, a.k.a. Chick-fil-A right now because I want a sweet tea and they're the only place open with it. Like people oh. make choices throughout the day. Like people vote for Biden despite Tara Reid, et cetera, et cetera. They vote for Republicans despite them literally saying, I pee on your legs. Like people do this all day long. So why create this unnecessary barrier where someone has to be in alignment or be this perfect caricature that doesn't yeah, the people, exist. <laughs> the number one consumers in my life of Chick-fil-A are my gay black Southern friends. <laughs> I don't 100%. do it often. But sometimes that's all I have out here. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> I'm not going to starve on this principle. It's not, it's not that deep for me on this, on this specific issue. I will always fund the causes that go against what they fund. But like, y'all, I got to eat. Like gay yeah. people own Chick Fil A's. It's a friend. I I used to work at one. They have their operators. Like, you got to pick your battles. You really do. Yeah. Look, I I really do appreciate you, Day. I am about to drain the rest of this chamomile beer and uh, <laughs> climb into bed and catch up on some much needed sleep, and you know maybe contemplate washing my hair because I know you guys have seen me wearing this pony poof for like ten days straight, and I don't want to talk <laughs> about it. <laughs> Glenn Greenwald. I shouldn't. I shouldn't call him out, but. He definitely DM'd me after the, the the Katie video, and he was like, "I love what you're wearing. I can't say I love that hairstyle." <laughs> I was like, "Glenn, look, I'm stressed. Okay, this pony poof means somebody hasn't washed their hair in a while. But like, give me a break. I'm gonna get my nails done tomorrow, and I'm gonna wash my hair. I'm gonna get it. I'm I'm gonna be a new woman next week. I promise." Yep. Listen, all right. Be up there with the dogs barking. You ain't gotta explain that. You good. <laughs> He's sa- he is saving the world one rescue at a time. That's, that's, that's my guy. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dave. I'm gonna even though it's over three hours, I'm gonna take one more because I think Felipe is a relatively new face. That I don't see here a lot. Um, I also see, I think Brady, you look kind of new. 
Mitch, you don't look super familiar to me. I'm sorry that I didn't get to you this time. Gary, I see you were in the back of the line last time and I didn't get to you. TZ, you look completely new. So please do call in again and I will skip around in the queue next time. Um, don't be just Can you hear me okay? Loud and clear. Great. So I'm glad you, you took the call. Uh, I, you know, I called in at 6 p.m. here Central Time and I was like, oh, you know, this will be quick. I'll just ask my question. Go play soccer. <laughs> But that's all good. The, 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 um, I had a question and a comment, but I'm going to leave it just at the comment. I'll ask my question some other day. It's late. You're tired. So, you know, I'll call in some other day. Um, but as for the comment so far, particularly the fourth caller, uh, um, when you made the comment about, you know, catching hell from all sides, I feel like it's important to, you know, give a, a little positive reinforcement because um, you, 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 obviously your work is very important for a lot of us here. And I think one aspect that really stands out is, which I know you recognize because you said it so yourself, which is that role of moderating two opposing viewpoints uh, and around thorny issues sometimes is when you're at your best. You do many things well, but I think you're correct in saying that that's when you're at your best. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of people doing that uh, out there, or at least definitely not people doing that as well as you do. And so, you know, there's a lot of people who see value in it. I'm one of them. Um, you know, I've consumed your 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 uh, your work avidly. Very lib like uh, think tanks. They they have their use. I mean, I'm 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 not gonna dedicate my energy there, but um, mm -hmm. I'm not gonna say that none of that matters, right? Um, mm -hmm. And my piece of advice that I'm trying to say is that you know. I would say that you know, we ought to find the roles that we do well. You clearly found yours considering the platform that you've built and how well you deal with these conversations and how well you moderate these opposing viewpoints, still manning the arguments and not, you know, letting people talk past each other, move goalposts and all that kind of stuff that you, that you do well. So you, so you found that and there, is, and there is an audience that likes it. And so, you know, it, it, there's, there's no right way if other folks are saying, you know, you shouldn't be doing this or you shouldn't be associating with that other person and whatnot. I think that they are failing to understand that there are different roles that need to be played. And, you've, and your particular role is actually in dire need, because as I was saying before, at least I don't see here in the United States anybody who's doing that work that well. So, you know, sure, you can contrast your approach to like if you just want to juxtapose between you and Olaemi, that looking from the outside, I would guess that you guys have similar worldview but very different mm -hmm. approach to comms mm -hmm. like i'm not gonna you know just look at how you guys interact with rob robbie suave for instance <laughs> you know mm -hmm. uh she she would just drive through him like a truck right uh mm -hmm. and you have a very different approach to that conversation i can understand that it's cathartic what olami does and i'm not going to criticize that i mean there's a use for it i don't agree with robbie suave's points i agree with hers so i see the value in it but at the same time you, when you have a conversation with him, you're doing something that she can't do. Uh, similarly, you can't do that sort of cathartic segment that she does. And so, it's, you know, I, I just feel like people need to understand a little bit more that there are different roles to be played. And when you find a good uh, role that you're good in and you have the quote unquote right world, world view that, you know, wrong with it. And, you know, the hate's going to happen. It's going to be on Twitter. It's going to positively. You never mm -hmm. heard their names. You know, you never know who they're going to be. I'm not pretending that they're important or that, you know, that conversion is somewhat, you know, the, 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 it's super significant. But I'm just trying to say that, you know, you're not going to hear about that. And if I wasn't calling in tonight and you had just decided to call to close the call in uh, right now and go to bed, you wouldn't have heard about that either. Right. Mm 
So, you know, it's just a few things to keep in mind and have that positive reinforcement that I think it's all of us need, you know, you're not, it's not like unique to you. It's good to like take a step back, right? And that you're doing and, you know, checking yourself because we can all develop blind spots over time. But, you know, uh, overall, once you found your role and you have confidence in it, I think, um, and your audience definitely echoes that, um, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with it and you should just uh, carry on because we appreciate it very much. You guys are so nice to me, and I'm a little embarrassed about turning this into a uh, Brie Booster session. <laughs> but I really do appreciate all of you. Thank, thank you, Felipe. That's that's very kind of you to say, and the booing is much appreciated. Um, this, you know, this this is my favorite thing to do for a reason. And y'all are the reason. And that's like so corny. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to get schmaltzy here at the end, but it, it you know, it, I, you know, we, I do live a weirdly kind of isolated life. You know, it's by choice. I, you know, just a rule of thumb in case you're ever second guessing yourself, I would say uh, go on Glenn Greenwald's Twitter feed and click on anything that he tweets. And just reads all the hate that he receives. <laughs> and know that that man has a huge platform and a very committed follower, follower base, myself included. And you're not going to see any of them there. You might see one or two, you know. And I would claim that, you know, it's probably a similar dynamic that happens with you in bad faith. That, you know, you're going to hear about the haters. But there's going to be a whole lot of people that support you that you might not hear uh, outside of this calling show. But they're there. Well, look, thank you again, Felipe. I appreciate you. Thank you, Serene, for reminding me that November 12th is my call-in anniversary. I would never have known that. Let's let's do something fun. Let's have a big, let's have a thing. Maybe we'll do like a video stream or something. Maybe we can get some good guests, some guests from the beginning to come back. Um, you guys are great. Thank you for making this what it is. Take care of yourselves. Keep the faith. I was a lion in the tall grass. Wish I had a pilot a podcast. Wish I had a strong donkey that can haul ass and travel with portable problems. That way I couldn't pinpoint all one million outcomes. I wish I found a genie lamp. I wish them girls gave me them sugar like Beanie Man. Yeah. I wish I was a comedian. Late night sitcom syndicated on TV land. I wish this well had water in it. These kids are stealing all my pennies. Focused on my wealth. You can help me wish, but I would rather wish the help was like, it's like, I wish, I wish, that every time we dive in, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, that every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, that every time we love in, it feels just like this. It feels just like this. It feels. I wish I had a time machine. Wish I had a better rhyming scheme. Wish that I could speak to giants after climbing up a green stalk that grew up my lime bean. I wish that I could spread my wings. I wish that I had seven limbs. That way I'd hold on to everything and laugh when I hear people wishing for the better things. I wish I spoke fluent Spanish. Dímelo, dímelo. At least I kind of understand it. Wish that I could throw the deuce like Gambit and get so large I could play pool with the planets. I wish I was an astronaut. I wish I knew more classic rock. 
myself, focused on myself. You can't help me wish, but I would rather wish for help. It's like, it's like, I wish, I wish, that every time we love it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, that every time we do it, it feels just like this. I wish, I wish, and every time we move and it feels just like, like this, feels just like this, it's just, it's like, like who the thought it, we would turn some dumb shit into something that got everybody wild and also come, let's make assumptions, and you can do, fuck you, I don't fuck you, I'm the truth through these rappers, flavors lasting, go with Luke, go low, stupid, I'm a better Carolina, right, two J's and I'm dying, oh my, good time, singing in a child line, waiting for a hot meal, lighting up the combine, looking for a hot deal, about to start a document, Yeah, silicon, beat it like a tom-tom Kicks like 808, kicks like 808